Welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Sorry for the delayed start there. Computer was a little hung up trying to get restarted from our work all day long. <clears throat> Usually we give it a little bit of a break, grab a bite to eat. And we did all that, and then it just didn't want to start back up. Say la vie. If you got questions for us, you can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You're going to join us on social media, pretty much everywhere, at d3hoopsville, or on, the exception to that is Facebook. It's facebook.com slash hoopsville. We are simulcasting there along with YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Hopefully the camera keeps running. If it does not, we've got the plan ready to uh, get to the next one. We'll hopefully keep it from dropping off on Facebook as it has in the past. Uh, those who have are behind the scenes of the software system that we have claim that it's try X, Y, and Z. Well, we've tried X, Y, and Z and it hasn't solved the problem. Anyway, welcome in. It is Monday, the 29th of January as we get ready to roll along. And we are into the final month of the season. The uh, a week from we talk those teams out the end because it Monday on this day brackets will have been decided you know, selections and decided officially a week from yesterday Sunday, but we don't officially see them until today so or a week a month from today so we are a month in final month of the season right here right now and so the guests today are going to be guests who are not necessarily ranked they might be getting some attention though i promise you on the men's side they are not in the top 25 ballots on the women's side we'll see what the new one is but they weren't last we checked you can see them over our shoulder if you're watching us on our mainstream, or if you're watching on any of the simulcasts, we'll talk to the Keen women's basketball about the NJAC and talk to Kane about what what to expect from a three-way tie atop the NJAC. There's a lot to play for in that conference, and we'll get a, a good in, insight from them on the women's side. Then we'll go to St. Joseph up in Connecticut, talk women's basketball with the head coach there, Wendy Davis. You'll love to find out how she got the gig and where she was when she got the call. We'll also talk about the influence Jim Calhoun has had on the men's bat, uh, on the women's program there and how they have certainly figured out how to play well, but the GNAC has gotten a little bit complicated, so we'll talk all about that. Then we'll switch gears, head out to the Northwest Conference and talk Whitworth men's basketball with Damian Jamblowski. Jamblowski, uh, easy for me to say apparently today. Uh, they're on their way as we speak to Walla Walla, Washington to take on Whitman tomorrow in conference action. We'll talk to Coach about his Pirates and their run so far this season. Then we'll head down to the Southern Region and talk SAA men's basketball at Barry. This is a team that for a lot of good reasons disappeared off of many radars, but they have won eight straight. They are on top of the SAA and maybe figuring it out what we all thought they had, but it's been complicated for them as well. Find out why Barry has seemingly struggled this season, but also figured it out. They may be one of those teams you don't want to see come March, despite their record. So that's all ahead here on the show. No top 25 breakdowns today. We are going to have them later in the week because, and I don't think I have a drum roll, unfortunately, on my sound effects, so we'll get to it in a bit. Um, 
We have an announcement for this week per Hoopsville schedule. We have been telling everybody we would be on at uh, 1 o'clock on Thursday for Hoopsville. We will not be on at 1 o'clock on Thursday for Hoopsville because we are shifting to Friday, and we will have a Hoopsville half marathon. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yep, half marathon. So this is the way we can get our marathon show in. If you've been around for a bit, you understand that we've had a little bit of trouble getting the marathon put together um, this season due to other work that I have picked up that are happens to be most of the time on Thursday evenings. Um, but we have talked to them about it. Uh, we've figured it out with the fam family, as it were, and all of that jazz. So here's the deal. We will be talking... Um, for about six hours on Friday. Right now, aiming for an 11 o'clock start. If I really, we really get kind of pushed, we may start as early as 10. This is Eastern time. We will go until about 5 p.m. Eastern time. So I'm looking at six-hour conversations in Division Three. We're still working on guests, so I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, but one of the segments we've put together with the NABC is about... Um, coaches versus cancer and the sneakers effort that suits and sneakers effort that goes on every year got a really good story or a really good angle on that uh, we'll be reaching out to some guests literally in the next 12 to 18 hours and get them booked um, maybe the committee chairs we're still trying to figure that out with their schedules it's a little bit complicated with their schedules um, but that is coming up on friday so no show on thursday we'll put all our efforts into the friday show starting about 11 a.m maybe as early as 10 a.m we'll have uh, final details as we get our guests booked in going till about 5 p.m so not the full marathon we have gone as many as 12 plus hours we've gone 12 almost 14 hours before we have gone eight we've gone 10 etc this will be a six hour show that's why the half marathon so that's coming up on friday that's how we can do our marathon efforts annually i think this is our ninth or tenth effort to be honest it's one of those things i actually should have looked up before before we got going here um let's uh, the 7th in, 20, in 1920, so 20, uh, we didn't do one in, in 2021, 22, 20, so 22, 23, no, 21, 22, 22, 23, 23, 24. So this will be our 10th, it looks like, our 10th marathon. So looking forward to that. So there you go. Uh, we'll certainly talk more about what else is going on in Division Three at the end of the program as we have to get along to our guests. But I do want to give uh, Mount St. Joseph... A shout out. And in a jersey. There goes the camera. There it goes. It was just a matter of time, folks. It was just a matter of time. So bear with us here. We're gonna we're gonna swap out the camera. Um, don't worry, you're not losing you're not losing a feed. We're trying to save this from going bye-bye on Facebook. Because it, it has done that in the past. So there we go. Um, we got a new camera up, so let's see if we can get that in and get quickly onto it. We can almost be there. Hold on, we're almost there. I'm, I, I, we'll look at Facebook in a minute and see if it's uh, if it's gone sideways on us. We're back. So quickly, Mount St. Joseph women's basketball. Thank you very much. Sent in a jersey. Uh, we'll be getting this one posted along with some others that are that are that are working their way in, plus some others that we already have. Um, and get this up on the on the wall as well. Thank you very much to uh, Coach for bringing that in. Also sent in a. A, a Lauren Hill tip-off classic shirt. This is this means a lot to me. I appreciate that. We'll definitely rep uh, the colors and, and shirts, etc., close to my size as well. So I appreciate that from Coach at Mount St. Joseph's. 
and others. Uh, if you'd like to send us a jersey to hang up here, or maybe you just have some other kind of paraphernalia you'd love to see in our... I mean, we got shelves, right? You, you can put things up in a lot of these places, and we'll be reorganizing this section so you can see it better to, to display some more things that we get. Feel free to send them in. Um, just contact me, and I'll get you the address for that, and we'll get right to it. Um, yep, Facebook dropped us. So we're literally going to try and go live here in the commercial break and get back up and running. I have no idea why that freeze camera freaks it out every time, but we'll get to it. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get going with our guest. Keen, or Kane Women's Basketball will join us to talk NJAC, the Region 4, and so much more. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. 
It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect. It's the name of the game. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. Try that again. Oh, there we go. Mike's working. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. We're trying to get us back up on Facebook. We we did everything we were supposed to do, but now we, we don't see it triggering yet. So we'll, we'll work on that and see if we can get us back up on Facebook after a little bit of a delay here. If you've got questions for us, you can always contact us. You know how to do so. The screen information now at the bottom of your screen. Of course, we're going to talk to some teams tonight that maybe aren't getting top 25 attention, but they could be in the conversation when it comes to to March Madness because they're at the top of their conferences and having pretty good races so far this season. How that turns out, obviously a lot to be determined in the next month, but we'll start things off on the women's side, talk NJAC. Honestly, we haven't jumped into the NJAC quite a bit this year, mainly because on both the men's and women's sides, it's been a little bit helter-skelter, for lack of a better description, a little bit crazy. On the women's side right now, you've got a three-way tie for first place. All teams at 10-3, and Drink Kane, Stockton, and TCNJ. Oh, by the way, Ramapo and New Jersey City are a game back at 9-4. and four. So it's a five-team race right now for first place with Rowan three games back of that tie for fourth. And Montclair State, surprisingly even further back, William Patterson and Rutgers Newark and Rutgers Camden bringing up the rear. So three-horse race at the at, in the lead spot, and right behind them come two more. What could this ever mean? Well, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of one of those teams, at least one of those teams. We didn't get them all. That would be craziness. But joining us to talk about Kane is their head coach. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us tonight. I'm just I'm so appreciative of all your coverage and and uh, you know it's in it, the competitiveness in the NJAC is it's it's just outstanding and it's going to be so fun to talk about it tonight. I, I think you know, by the way, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Very kind words of you. I, um, I think in all that build up, I totally forgot to mention her name's Mandy King. By the way, <laughs> uh, that's who who's on the show with us here to talk about Kane and, and the Cougars. Uh, in this craziness, let's let's just talk about the craziness first, because that's what I kind of built myself into here. And Jack, for a number of years, had been kind of the Montclair show, right? It, it was you guys all trying to catch Montclair State and Montclair State dominating and so on and so forth. And then we started to see a little bit of kink in the armor, maybe some of the feathers falling off the uh, Red Hawks. 
and you all took it full advantage. And for the last couple of years, it has certainly not been anyone's particular conference. New Jersey City has certainly had some success. TCNJ is is always been a formidable team, uh, but now you got Stockton, yourself, Ramapo in the mix, and Montclair technically isn't in the mix. Don't get me wrong; they're close no, enough they're with a few always, games. They're yeah. always in the mix, right? They're, they're, with a few games left, <laughs> this is not over, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, I think all of us who went through that, uh, we know uh, very well that they any, you know, I guess, you know, every conference is going to say that anybody can beat anybody on a given night. And it's it's absolutely the truth in the end, Jack. And and then this year, the I mean, to have five teams, you know, either, you know, you're either going to be like, you know, first or six <laughs> or out. Right. And, I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible with, you know, only five games remaining. So uh, we've talked about it for years, how difficult that it is. But this year is it's really at a new level. Yeah. Well, I, that's the thing is not everybody makes this conference tournament. And so you've got five teams in the running just for first place at this point. We're all within a game, three and tied. And oh, by the way, then you get Rowan who's certainly further back, but they're they're the only one basically holding on to that sixth spot. That's right. And they've won two championships. Right. And, know, and, that, so. and Montclair is lurking right behind them. So, yeah, we're focused only here at the top, but it's actually kind of mind-boggling just how complicated this could get in the next couple of weeks before the conference tournament. But how important is it to stay in that lead spot, to stay in first place and not fall into the kind of fight for whatever ends up being the results. I think it's going to be a real focus on just how much better can you improve every day in practice, how much you can put your process first and not focus so much on the results. I know everybody says that, but um, you know, if you start focusing on the results that you need and fighting for first place, then I think that that's when you really start to get stripped up, uh, uh, tripped up. So um, what we try to do is, um, you know, just instead of focusing on what we want, like obviously we want to win a regular season championship. Everybody does, but instead of what we want, you know, we focus on who we want to be and who we want to become through this process as we go through the grind of these last five games. So, um, you know, and, and, and I, it's been a lot easier with a young group. You know, we've had such an experienced group. We graduated seven seniors last year. And so this year we're, we're super young uh, going into this battle of a really experienced league. And it's, um, it's been such a joyful experience. But I think, you know, you know, seating isn't, I don't think it, you know, we've been on both sides of of the seating in this conference. And, you know, we've been, you know, a, a number one seed and have gotten upset. We've been a lower seed and have upset others. So I, I really don't think it matters where you fall. I just think you've got to fight to be playing your best every day. And, um, you know, and then, you know, hopefully you get to make that magical run to win an NJAC championship. Obviously, the automatic bid comes with that and, and getting into the tournament and trying to position yourself for a run for glory. But the, the banner with the NJAC title on it is certainly just as important. Do you Are you concerned with the way this season's been going so far that you're all going to be battling just to try and be in a, the right spot in the tournament? It's going to leave you exposed a little bit come that last week? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, that's been the story here for, you know, you know the last, I guess, you know, I guess ever since 1819, you know, so that that's kind of been the story of the league. And um, we're trying so hard not to get caught up in that piece of it, understanding that, again, it's not going to be the matchups. I, I, you know, I don't think the regular season champion in the last three years has won. 
You might be God. right about that. Three, yeah. <laughs> you know, so well, I we're think so that, used to Montclair winning the regular right. season and then winning the title that I think that became the SOP. That's a, that's exactly right. And, you know, because in, in, the records haven't always been as close as this. I mean, this is unbelievable. It's like, <laughs> I can't even believe it when I when I go to look at it. I just just turn it away from it and focus back on our next opponent. Um, you know, but so this year it's, it's just been wild. But it being in this league for the last three years, like it, it's not surprising that Ramapo is in the hunt. You know, it's, it's like everybody you could see it coming. You know, so, um, you know, and, and Stockton has been a tough out, you know, even, you know, for the, you know, they hadn't made the playoffs and they are so difficult to play against. I, I can't tell you how ta- how many times we've escaped the win, you know, at, you know, at the buzzer, <laughs> you know, with one play they're they're, they're that they're, they're really tough. So, and again, you've got teams with championship experience in Rowan and Montclair. And so there's just, there truly is nowhere to hide. And I'm just really fortunate that we have a group that um, is, is, is young and is focused in the moment and is just really loving playing basketball right now. Looking at this season, it I find fascinating is it seems like you guys had your moments and then figured things out so far. So you start the season with two losses to two good teams, Stevens and Oberlin. Oberlin, an injury has changed the cons- the look of their team. Had that injury not happened, that's that's a team that's absolutely had been rolling at one point. Uh, they're twelve and seven though. They're still playing pretty good. They're just struggling um, with that injury, having lost, you know, taking some losses now. But you then lose to, or the then beat Wellesley and Brooklyn, then lost to NYU. Um, by the way, everybody has. Uh, yeah. And then you get into conference play and you lost to William Patterson. So you, you kind of get off to the wrong foot there. Win against Ramapo and Rutgers Newark, then lose to TCNJ, then win to New Jersey City. And I think, yes, we have another loss coming up out of conference here, but it felt like that New Jersey City win was kind of maybe the pivot. You had a couple of tough losses in the to start conference play. You were two and two. You take on TCNJ. You're now two and three. Felt like this is the moment. If you don't figure it out, you're going to start heading in the wrong direction. You get back to 500. It felt, at least from the outside, a one-point win on the road against New Jersey City was a huge victory, even if it was December 9th. Yeah, that absolutely was a turning point. And, uh, and you know, and the the girls did a really good job. Our non-conference game is built, I mean, a non-conference schedule is really built to expose us. And, uh you know, it's easy for, I guess, a young group to lose confidence going through that, but they really bought into us challenging ourselves and trying to get ready for NJAC play. And so, you know, and then, you know, losing at Patterson, that's, again, it's another tough place to play, but we got some experience for our young guys and a TCNJ loss. I mean, TCNJ is, you know, again, once again, one of the best teams in the conference, but, um, you know, we had a, you know, a team meeting the the night before the Jersey City uh, game where you know it was a we did this exercise where you named a hero a highlight um and a hardship hardship and everybody um you know really shared the things that they had been through and we got so close as a team and i think that 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 moment it focused again on who we want to be instead of what we want you know really focus on who you are as people instead of players and um and then went into that super tough environment and and just you know, came away with a win and it, and it injected fuel into our veins and had said, Hey, you know what? We, we do belong here. What were the three hero hardship? What was the first and highlight highlight? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's a good one. I'm, I'm yeah, it was fun. 
file that in the filing cabinet. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, you get a loss to Arcadia in mid-December, uh, coming out of conference action before the holiday break. There's a lot going on there. We know exams and such. But Plus, did that fuel so you guys? Good. They are so good. Yeah. You know, they 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 run the Princeton offense better than, you know, just about anybody we've seen. And, you know, we, we walked out of there again and we we had laid everything on the line. And, um, you know, again, we didn't want to lose, but, I, you know, it felt like we were getting better because of it. And, you know, they they were tough. So, yeah. I, you know, again, we should I, point out they're 17 and two. Their two losses are to sales. Yeah. Uh, and then the sales has been on an exhibition. You yeah. know, so. Right. And DeSales has been unmerciful with them, beating them by 20-plus in both occasions. Um, But they've got some solid victories themselves. You then take the break for the holidays, and you came back, and you all rolled. Uh, You won, what was it, seven, I think, straight uh, against Drew, Rowan, and Stockton, Montclair State, William Patterson again, Newark, Ramapo. Really getting that momentum going. Then New Jersey City just said, thank you very much, take a seat. Uh, in the last game, beating you by four at your place just uh, on Saturday. Is this an important period here? You had that nice winning streak. They've kind of punched you back a little bit, knocked you back into this tie. You've got big games with TCNJ and Rowan ahead. How how do you manage this with the team on understanding, yeah, we took our lumps, but we, we got to get back on our feet? Yeah, every, every time we play Jersey City, and it's coming down to a one possession game. And, um, you know, the way we've talked about it, it was really important to get the split with them, you know, and we learned a lot from that experience on Saturday. Um, I think the the most difficult part about that game on, on Saturday is our, our point guard uh, was injured in the first quarter. And that we, ha- I don't know how many teams can adjust through that. So the way that my team Especially it's Brittany Graff, who is the absolute heart and soul of our program. Um, and to lose her leadership with such a le- uh, young team was was really difficult. And my team did not flinch. <laughs> you know, I, I did <laughs> inside. <laughs> you, know, ah! you know, they you know, th- but our team's composure was absolutely off the charts. And they just you know, we've used the theme that we've got your back. Like you don't you don't have to be perfect. You just have to cover for each other that we really have got your back. And, you know, my fifth year center picks her up off the floor and carries her off, you know, and everybody else locked in and I, and it was a fight for our lives. So we didn't get the result that we wanted, but I thought the relentlessness and the composure and the physicality against such a great team, a championship team, it was everything that we need and who we need to be going through this stretch. So, you know, now, you know, know, the adjustment now going into TCNJ, I think it's just helped us lock back in. And it it didn't change how difficult it was going to be against TCNJ, whether we beat Jersey City or not, or whether we won eight in a row or lost our last one. Like the 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 task is is gets more and more difficult, especially the second trip through. through. And, and, and this group and while the teams come together, it. maybe it's added a little doubt. You know, it's added the 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 complex. It's added more complex to it because you have to adjust whether your your point guard is back or not or That's whatever right. the case you have to adjust that so that certainly adds a wrinkle to it um but to your point sometimes you get wins out of losses and it, and if your team is figuring out how to coexist not coexist but coalesce as a unit without without a major piece to it even if it's temporary yeah even if it's one, two games, that's all you might need. 
That's that's yeah. significant. Yeah. It's it, it's been incredible. Like you know, in our practice tonight, they they came in with such a joyful spirit. They're competitive. You know, they they just don't make any excuses. You know, it's like they they see who's next on our list. They you know next on our schedule, and they just prepare themselves um, to go get another win. And they know how hard it's going to be. And it's I've never really seen anything like it, especially, um, you know, they're they're really humble. They're really hungry. They come in ready to work. And again, it's like just next man up. And, and again, I know lots of people say that, but this group, they they want to they want to win for her, you know, and it exposed us in a lot of ways. So and we knew that. <laughs> but, you know, now we've, we've had to adjust around it. And um, I think we're going to be, be better because of it. You talk about this youth, and it's interesting because when you look at the roster, you've got three seniors or graduate students, you've got three juniors, three sophomores, and then a good chunk of freshmen, but you've got a nice mix of upperclassmen in that. But when you jump to the stats, the youth jumps out. That's where you see it. You're being led by a freshman in Gigi Gamble at seven, well, 18 points a game, essentially. Um, she shoots 45% from the floor and 40% from deep, 86% from the free throw line. This is not a knock, but the only thing on here that doesn't jump out is her rebounding, but that's not something you maybe need from her. Brittany Graff, 15.4 points a game. Yeah, she's a senior, but then you've got Riley Aarons. There's, we're right back to the freshman conversation here. Uh, Shad Bader, I know she's only played 12 games. She's contributing. Maya Edwards is contributing to this program. Uh, Bedier, by the way, is a graduate student. Um, and Edwards is a sophomore. Yeah. So you're getting this from everyone, except maybe the junior class. Um, it is that upperclassman, but they're obviously very comfortable for having an underclassman lead the way in scoring. Oh, and it's, you know, Gigi, she, she may be the best freshman in the country. You know, I obviously I don't get a look on everybody else, but... I, I know I've never seen anything like her, you know, um, and she is the most humble kid, um, you know, with numbers like that. And she's super, super unselfish. It's not only her ability to score, but it's her ability. Her playmaking ability is just jaw dropping. And, um, you know, she just, you know, we absolutely have just everybody loves her so much. You know, we just say it's Gigi's world and we're just living in it. <laughs> You know, I mean, she barely, Perfect. it's, so it's, it's been incredible. You know, I think she's uh, such a kind and caring person and um, the, I mean, she's absolute magic with the basketball and she's, you know, I mean, our point production has been unbelievable and that's because of her playmaking ability and how much that attention that she draws, you know, so uh, she's, she's just been incredible and they, we love being around her. And it's just our chemistry has been off the charts. So, and then you have the heart and soul of Brittany Graff that, um, again, she's, she's been the motor behind everything. And, you know, it's, it's been hard. It was adjustments, you know, she had seven seniors before and now, you know, she, she's, she's leading a new program and, and it's, uh, it's almost like we've, you know, we said at the beginning of the year, we really wanted to prove it that Kane basketball was here to stay. And it wasn't about proving people wrong. It was about proving our ourselves right. And that you could be there as a program, right? That's exactly right. And so the consistency has been there, not only on the court, but in the classroom. Um, we were we were absolutely incredible in the classroom. I think over um, almost a 3.5 as a team with, you know, 
you know, two four point oh's and three kids with three point nine fives and ten guys with over a three six. So um the culture and the chemistry continued and we knew we had to work at it. It was something that, you know, you couldn't carry carry over. It was something that we had to continue to build. But you know, Gigi and Brett have been, you know, tremendous in that backcourt. And then, you know, I mean, Gigi's been rookie of the year, I mean rookie of the week eight times. Um, but I think her biggest competition has been Riley. <laughs> if it weren't, you know, Riley got it one one week, but if it weren't for Gigi, Riley would be up for, you know, rookie of the year. So it, That's it's fascinating. been pretty special. Um and then Shad um Bidier coming back as a fifth year senior. Um, yeah, she, Mandy, oh, her her huge. return has been huge in this because oh, she went in she went out either during the NYU game or after the NYU game. You did not have her until you got back into the gut of it. In January, she averages a double-double, or I'm calling it a double-double. It's 8.9 points, but I know she scores more than that. Plus 11.5 rebounds, 12 rebounds a game. She's she's important for this inside-outside to work. She is. You know, she sprained her ankle before the Patterson game, and we lost her for that entire stretch while she was out. And she comes back. She's, I mean, she had come back in the best shape of her life. And um, it it was just, it was heartbreaking when she went down. But once again, you know, we got your back and the kids did everything they could to to go on this win streak. And then we got her back. And it was just, it was unbelievable. I think it was 24 rebounds against Ramapo. I mean, it's insane absolutely insane so was there anybody um, else on the floor i don't i don't know <laughs> that's that is uh, an insane number so you know her her leadership her wisdom her steadiness um you know it's it's just been somewhat another voice that you know lets us know when things go wrong things are going to be okay and you know if we just continue to try to play cane basketball and we're tough and we're disciplined and together then um good things are going to happen for us so um you know and then i think again you know you know, and, and, and Riley's, Riley's been unbelievable. Uh, such a great stretch for, you know, again, two freshmen, I think that have been, uh, you know, they, they've continued the tradition that we built here at Kane and, and built it on top of some, some great players that we lost. Here's the challenge. You've got five games left of the regular season. Four of them are teams in a playoff slot. The fifth Montclair state. In other words, this is not going to be an easy finish. You've put all the easy, quote-unquote, behind you. There were two Rutgers are behind you. Others are behind you. You start off on the road at TCNJ and then at Rowan. Before returning home, you do have Rutgers-Camden and Montclair State and then Stockton. Uh, so I misspoke on Rutgers-Camden. That was the fourth I was thinking of. But still... Montclair State's going to be fighting to try and get into the playoffs, too. They're not going to roll over, and we all know how Coach uh, is with the Red Hawks, whether they're, I mean, actually a wounded Red Hawks team is probably more dangerous with Karen Harvey than than one flying high. How, I, I listen, I know it's game by game. I, I know it's game by game. I know coaches talk game by game, and I know teams think game by game. I'm a former student athlete. I know we didn't think further ahead than who we had next, even if the big behemoth was sitting on the other side of it. But you also have to think about the bigger picture. You do have to think about the conference race and what this can mean and all that. So how do you prepare? How do you get the team focused? What's the conversation in the locker room? Um, continuing to focus on the things that we can control. Like we've absolutely got to, we have to improve our defensive rebounding and um, and then our defense, you know, first shot defense has been good. It's It's been second chances that have really hurt us this year. So we've tried to put the focus on the things that we absolutely can control. 
you know, like if, and if we can be disciplined in our approach to, to that, you know, then, then we're going to make the improvements we need game by game, you know? And then the second thing is like execution wise, I mean, everybody knows what everybody's running at this point. Like, so it's not just about like, can you, you know, add wrinkles and make the reads. It's also the play after the play. Like, can you go out and and make that play after the play on every single possession? You know, so I, you know, we've put really a focus on those two things, you know, and then still just, uh, you know, this team has like, they come in, they're so loose, like our walkthroughs, it's, you know, they're they're authentically themselves. (laughs) They love care and accept one another. And it's like, we've done a ton of team building with, you know, you know, contests and, you know, like fire pits and like, I mean, everything you can imagine we we've done with this group. And it's like, just continue to, to do that and be lot really just focused on the moment, you know, um, talk a lot about, it's like, we, you know, you have one play in one life, you know, so lock in the moment and you got one chance to do this. Like, let's make sure, you know, it, it's the best we can possibly be. And it, we're either going to be good enough or we're not. You know, and so it's, I think, just trying not to lose that joy as we're trying to up our level of play is going to be really, really important. Certainly makes sense uh, to me, to say the least. Um, I think your personality probably helps the looseness, too, to be (laughs) to be frank. I've never known you not to be very outgoing and 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 positive about things. There's no dwelling. There's no negativity that I've seen. Now, maybe you have a whole nother personality that we don't know, but that, but that helps, right? Because if you're there, they can be there. And if you're not there, they are, that's going to help you and the staff as well. That's right. And, you know, and they're, they're just such a great group to be around. I I mean, and then like, I have an amazing staff and the chemistry is just off the, there's just no time to focus on the things that have, that go wrong or plays we missed. You know, like, it's just, you don't have time for that. It's, and plus there's no need to, it hasn't fixed anything. So, you know, as long as we can just lock in the moment and make the most of it, you know, like we we were playing Rowan at home and give you this example, you know, and um, one of my senior captains, she's probably going to kill me for, for sharing this, but. Then share away. I know. Right. So, so she's, she's inbounding the ball, throws it completely to the other team. Like she was outletting to them. Right. Oh, I've done that. Yep. You know, cuts the yep. game to six. And, uh, you know, so we get in there at the half and it was like, okay, listen, like we, we're, we're, we're playing well here, you know, but I still don't feel good. We, you know, we need, we have these guys that are locked in and she just kind of raises her hand and just like, I am so sorry. I don't know what happened. And then we just all laugh, you know, because I mean, what are we going to do about it? You know, and it doesn't do any good for her. Yeah. We've all been there. We've all had a brain lapse, right? Oh God, I do it every day. Yeah. The ball's like halfway out of your hand. You're like, Oh no. And you want to pull it back so badly, but by the time you can try, it's halfway there. It's gone. The moment's (laughs) gone. You're you're just going to have to watch it. I hope she got an assist for it though. (laughs) I think they were just stunned. Yeah. You know, but, but oh, that was, thank you. But, but it was like it was it it was just such a great again, another great leadership moment where she just like owned it and then we laughed about it and then we just locked right back in. And and that's what it, it's like you can't even get upset because again, they own it, they want to be better, and they just they really, really care about each other. And um, you know, I they they're just I really appreciate I I know I always when we get on here, I, I talk about how special my teams are, but there's something bigger happening here. 
and that's orchestrating it. And I'm just trying to enjoy every moment as I can for as long as I can. I just want us to keep women winning so that I can be around them every day. As we'll talk to other guests on this show, sometimes it's not necessarily about the wins and the losses and the X's and the O's tournament play we get certainly wrapped up in who can make the tournament stuff there's more going on for 350 plus schools who don't make the the ncaa tournament and that's just the schools we're not talking about all the programs multiply that by two there's a lot more going on than that and there's a lot more in life going on so that's what's more important and you guys clearly have the right right attitude about that i think so too you know the girls really dial into why they play and and why they play for one another and um we focused a lot on um just building trust. Like, can you go out and do the very best that you can? And then, you know, make sure that you're there for someone else, you know, and again, that's, you know, goes back to that, you know, we've got your back. And then um, again, talking again about like, just, just playing with heart. And that just means again, locking into the moment, locking into whatever we can control and, and then trying to just celebrate every moment as it comes, because, you know, you've got, you know, you know, lots of people that are there to support you and enjoy watching you play. And if we can, you know, make somebody's day or, you know, inspire another little girl to, or another little boy to go out and love the game of basketball, then, you know, we, we've done more than enough. Well, I'd talk to you forever, and we already talked more than I thought we would, uh, but it was an enjoyable conversation, so I appreciate the time. Of course, full circle for me, my introduction to Division Three women's basketball, not only at my alma mater, took place in the 90s when I'd go back to Maine during March break go skiing maybe down in at sunday river once or twice with a friend of mine and the local tv had a particular basketball team on in the final four that's how i got introduced to southern maine and understand the behemoth that was that program so it's great that you're still going uh in the coaching realms and we get a chance to chat with you so i appreciate your time and, and i got a kick out of it all right i i appreciate it so much was so blessed to be part of that program and just hoping i you know, have a chance to honor all that I've learned from everybody who's impacted my life from the University of Southern Maine um, to everybody all the way through. Uh, that was, I, I'm sure you'd love to see the program back to where it was, but right now you got your own priorities. Uh, that's exactly right. And I think they're making some progress there. No, they're um, making, yeah, tough conference yeah. now. That's yeah, a tough sure conference. Is. Hey, sure uh, as always, we get the guest though, the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? You know, again, as you know, as these, um, you know, these conference races get tight, and, you know, there's so much on the line as we go through this. I just wanted to ri- remind everybody that we just get a chance to play a game we love and coach a game we love with the people we care about. And it doesn't get any better than this. So, you know, just, you know, the, the coaches and players are really lucky to have this and blessed to have this opportunity. And, um, you know, just just continue to be the best you can and, and lock in the moment and, and great things are going to happen. Well said. Very good point. There's bi- There's bigger things, too, than just the wins and losses. Right. So. Mandy, thank you so much. Take care. Good luck in this battle in the end, Jack. It'll be fun to watch. You might get some gray hairs out of this one. I have have more than enough already. (laughs) I understand There's more to come in the next two weeks. I'm I'm at home not even coaching, and I understand that entirely. (laughs) Hey, take care. Good, Good to chat with you. Look forward to catching up with you down the road. All right. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Mandy King joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Great to chat with her again. They've got uh, TCNJ and Rowan coming up on the road. Uh, TCNJ game is the 31st. Uh, The Rowan game is on the 3rd. That's all coming up. Uh, Just really quickly, because I forgot to do this at the start, uh, looking at the other conferences, Mac Freedom, we talked to 
Um, DeSales is head coach a few weeks ago, or a few months ago now it is. They continue to lead that conference. They got a two-game lead on Acadia, and Acadia's only two losses of the season are to DeSales. They're both 17-2, and two, but Acadia's 6-2 and two in conference play. Let Bell's 5-3, and three, and then Del Bell and Stevens are tied at 4-4. Four and four. That's going to be a good little race to see who makes the tournament. Um, but DeSales has got the Freedom ra- Conference almost wrapped up. Brooklyn and John Jay and Baruch are in the running for the CUNYAC. They've got they've distanced themselves from Hunter, Lehman, and the rest. Uh, Brooklyn and John Jay are having a decent season. We'll have to head into the CUNYAC in the near future. UEA, UEC is just is just complicated. Uh, Notre Dame continues to be undefeated on the women's side. Penn State Harrisburg is 7-1 in conference play, 10-11 overall. Yeah, remember, only one bid comes out of that. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll keep talking women's basketball. We'll head up to Connecticut, talk to St. Joseph women's basketball. I can get that out of my mouth. And talk to their women's coach about all the great things that that program is doing now in the GNAC race. You're listening to Hoops. So presented by D3 Hoops after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's nabc.com or NABC1927 on social media. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, be a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. As we continue on this Monday evening, plenty of news and notes to talk about at the end of the show. We're going to continue our guests as we're a little bit behind after a great conversation with Mandy King from Kane. Appreciate her all the time she gave us and just the insight on her team. Uh, that end check race is going to be fun. Sticking with women's basketball, if you head up into Region 1, which is we're focusing on, 
today instead of uh, it's a region one two split usually on Monday but on region one we head up and look in the GNAC conference it's an interesting race for starters there's a lot of teams five six eight ten twelve four sixteen teams on the schedule no they don't all play twice there's not enough games for that they all play once St. Joseph Maine is in the lead at eight no in and a 12 and 7 overall record. Albertus Magnus having a good season at 16 and 4. They're 8 and 1 in conference play. And St. Joseph's, St. Joseph of Connecticut is 16 and 3, 7 and 1 in conference action. Emmanuel 6 and 1. LaSalle 6 and 2. Riviere is 5 and 4. New England and Regis are 4 and 4. And so on and so forth. Simmons, by the way, is listed here in our system. So really it's 15 teams. They haven't played. That's I don't I'm not sure. If I miss something there, that that just might be my misspeak there. But my point being is the women's basketball team is having a pretty good time of it at St. Joseph. So earlier today, we talked to Wendy Davis about a lot of things, including how exactly has the men's program helped the women's program? What got her interested in all of this to begin with? But most importantly, how the men's program is helping the women's program to some degree us on the Hoopsville Hotline. It's a head coach of the St. Joseph women's basketball team. It is Wendy Davis. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, this conference is usually known for a St. Joe's of some kind to be on top. It's you all fighting for it at this point in time. Congratulations on what seems to be a pretty stellar season. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's obviously not over and we still have some big games coming up, um, but this group is um, playing well right now. Uh, we have a lot of seniors, which is certainly helpful because you cannot put a price tag on experience. That's what I'm learning. Uh, yeah, I can understand that entirely. But listen, 16 wins. We've already matched the season total from last season. And this is a program that hasn't had more than 16 wins since 2011 when it was 19. So this is significant for this program. You're, you guys are in a position not only in the conference race, but overall that isn't familiar with the program. But I, I assume, knowing coach, uh, coaches around the world, this is where you wanted this program to be. Sure. I mean, I came here six years ago. Um, and, you know, my first year we won three games. So it, each year we've built. So it went from three wins the next year, 11 wins, then COVID, then 15 wins. Last year was 16 wins. And right now we're sitting at 16 wins. So that's, I mean, that's always a, the goal, I think, as, as a coach is to every year do better, right? And it's hard once you graduate, you know, like once I graduate these seniors, you know, you're starting over, but the, the trick is to keep it moving forward. And so, you know, hopefully we'll just keep doing that. Well, moving forwards the right direction to head, obviously. I, this is certainly an upperclassman-led program. It's seniors and juniors who are, when you jump on the score sheet, they're the ones that are going to jump out at you. Um, you, you a senior in Jordan Owet, almost 17 points a game. Maya Sil, uh, Slitz, uh, 15.2. Amanda Fudge at 12.7. And Taylor uh, Verboven at 11.5. All, but, all seniors but one, and that's Maya, who, who's the junior. But that's a lot of scoring, too. Four players, double figures, and you're averaging 73.6. That that core, that quad there is significant. So you got the experience, but you also got a lot of scoring. 
for sure. But it also is based on them playing, you know, several years together now, right? So like two years ago when they were sophomores, you know, at the start of a game, I would listen to the other team's players and they'd be, they'd be saying, you know, senior, senior, senior. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh boy, I feel like I have the talent but I have a bunch of sophomores, so I don't know how this is going to go, you know, and, and now finally it's, I'm in a position where I actually have the seniors and the talent. And then obviously Maya Sliz mixed in there too, uh, who's having just a phenomenal season. So, you know, it, it's a, it's a little more calming this year coaching them because I, for the most part, know what I'm going to get every night. Two years ago when they were sophomores, I had no idea what I was going to get every night. So, um, and, and, you know, not for nothing, but looking ahead, you know, three of those seniors that start uh, minus Amanda Fudge, they still have their COVID year. So they're still debating if they come back next year as well. So, you know, next year could be even better. Well, that's where I was. Yeah, I was going to ask that next is the, the disadvantage to this is you got your eggs somewhat all in one basket. But if they've got that COVID year left, which is the final year that could be eligible for everybody, that's a dangerous concept to then consider. There's there's the likes of Janai uh, Oliver and Natalia Zapone, who are second in scoring, just for as an example. Now they're getting that experience still with this team. They're gaining more experience. You're getting more uh, weapons into place. And I say weapons kind of loosely there, but the pieces certainly coagulate even better that even next year, should they return, as you said, could even could build this program further down the road even, and, and get you guys into a better spot? Yeah, for sure. I'm really excited because, you know, the group that, that is debating whether to come back or not, like, they're just awesome human beings uh, who can also play basketball, right? And so if I can have them one more year to be great role models for the kids that are on the team now, but also for the incoming freshmen I'm going to have next year, you know, it's to have them one more time to kind of show them the ropes. I just, again, you can't put a price tag on experience. You just can't. They've been, they've been with my program now, which would end up being five years, right? Cause of COVID. Um, they know what I expect on a daily basis. They know what kind of defense we play. They know our offenses. So it's like they're, they're almost coaching themselves this year in a sense. Um, but, but, you know, next year they can help me coach the, the younger players that I'm bringing in. So, well, yeah, and that's the exciting. key, right? Because you need this to transition now. It can't just be, hey, we had a great year. Maybe next year had an even better year. Who knows what the, those circumstances are? And then drop off the cliff because that's going to be harder to rebuild from, I'm assuming, be, not only for the, the, the shock and awe that those players are going to go through not having the success they had watching for a year or two but recruiting wise they're all going to maybe look at it going well where's the consistency of a program i want to join so there's there's importance here of, of building this consistency for a program that hasn't had it correct yeah it's really important to keep consistency and it's like you know when, like when i said when i got here there, there was not a lot happening with three wins and, and now the last couple of years you know 15 wins 16 wins we have 16 now like that 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 is going to kind of be our go-to every year. So yeah, next year I could see it happening again, but you're right. It's that following year that, you know, I'm really going to have to put in the work and make sure that I'm bringing in good players, but that they're also figuring it out quickly because I don't want, 
that drop off. You know, it's hard. It's hard to keep a program consistently high. You know, not many coaches can can do that. And so, you know, that'll be interesting to see how that pans out for sure. This conference race is interesting. The GNAC is a beast. Uh, it is very large. Didn't go to divisional look. Um, everybody's kind of just there. And in an effort to not kill everybody's schedule, you went with the oddity of basically playing everybody once. There's some advantages to that. There's some disadvantages to that. The big disadvantage is you already played St. Joseph's of Maine, who's sitting ahead of you in the conference race. And unfortunately, that was on the road and a loss by 11. There's no way of making that up. You you can't get that game back now, especially at your place. Get a win, knock things up, and go, hey, let's go. Let's figure it out with everybody else how we're going to finish this conference race, who's going to be on top. That, that's got to be uh, – there's some positives, but it, there's got to be some negatives that makes it a little frustrating. Yeah, for sure. I mean, last year we were in divisions, um, and now this year we're not. So it's like we keep bouncing back and forth. So we need to find some consistency here first, right? So playing everybody once is tough. Um, you know, we, we played St. Joseph Maine. That was our first conference game. Um, I want to think that we are a better basketball team now than we were then, but I'm sure they are as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully we get another shot at them uh, come playoff time. That's you know, that's obviously what we're hoping because you got to to be the best. You got to beat the best and they are the best right now. So, you know, hopefully we get another shot at them. Yeah, fair. I, I, it makes total sense to me. We should point out last year lost by only five points in mid-January to them. It's not like it's a program you certainly can't go toe-to-toe with. By the way, I'm going to quickly take a dart and throw it at the wall. We'll figure out what next year's lineup for the GNAC is, whether it's divisional <laughs> or offset. I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll have different conference mates than we don't even realize yet that haven't been announced. Um, that's the other challenge, too. This conference is ever-changing in what is an ever-changing New England, and it is going to continue to change, whether it's the announcements we already know are have been made or the ones that are still to come that nobody is aware of yet that we know, you know, there's there's stuff going on. We know there is. Is that tough from a coach's perspective of just – not knowing what you can or can't do with your out of conference, not knowing what will or won't impact your conference. You already pointed out the scheduling's a nightmare. Yeah, it's it's a little tough. You know, last year playing divisions, I didn't have to find that many non-conference games. And now this season, because we went to just playing everyone once, now I had to find 11. Um, you know, and, and I, you know, from what I'm hearing, I'm probably going to have to find more next year so there's just always changes um there's just changes all the time in our conference find so. more what what are they thinking of doing next year um well i don't know that i can say all that but i think there's some changes that are going to happen so i'm just going to play it out and see what yeah well i get it it's not easy um yeah. i'm i'm intrigued now i may make some <laughs> phone calls later uh again a program though you're you're in rarefied air already. Sixteen and ten last season, and again the prior best season to that was nineteen and seven, back in oh nine. Uh, sorry, uh, 2010-2011, When obviously you weren't there, and we're talking recent history. This is going back to oh six oh seven. We're not going further back than that in the history, but that tells us a lot. This is a, a three to nine win program. Many years, you certainly knew it. You 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 had coached at Trinity prior to coming to here, and you had coached at Western New England prior to coming to Trinity. So you certainly were familiar with this program and, and the area and all that. 
I'm, I'm kind of intrigued after what seemed like some success at Trinity, though granted in a very tough new uh, NESCAC. What, what intrigued you about coming to St. Joe's? Um, well, that was an interesting situation. Um, the then coach quit about a week before the season was supposed to start. So I knew the then athletic director, Bill Cartarelli, um, from years ago. Um, his wife used to be my trainer when I played. So we go way back. Um, and actually, I was in a two-year stint of doing some home remodeling. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I learned so much. So That I seems was sarcastic. Actually, what's that? <laughs> that seems sarcastic. No, I did. I learned so much. It was fabulous. I was actually on a roof, putting a new roof on in uh, Suffield, Connecticut, when Bill Cartrelli called me and said, any chance you want to coach my team this year, my coach just quit. <laughs> so I was up there thinking, okay, I'm afraid of heights. Uh, what am I doing up here on this roof when I can be coaching basketball again? So I had to take some time, you know, cause I did, I needed a break from coaching, which is why I left Trinity. Um, but you know, I'm so glad I took the chance because I just love it here at St. Joe's. It's um, they're welcoming, they're supportive. Our president, Rona Free, is a huge fan. She comes to all our games. Um, my athletic director, Amanda Devitt, she's awesome. She coached Division Three basketball, so she knows the drill. I mean, we're just – I'm surrounded by strong, powerful female leaders at this school, and I'm, I'm just so glad that I can now end my career feeling great about coaching basketball again. I listen, I can appreciate that. Um, there's a bit to unpack from all that. <laughs> First, did this old house call? I know you can get that reference. Others might not. Did this old house call say, listen, we'd love to rebuild a house, but you're going to do it. We're just going to watch, uh, you know, that would have been <laughs> well, a lot of help. Yeah. Well, here, here's the deal. This guy came and recited my house and, um, and then he was looking for workers. So it was really, it was the father, two sons, and myself. So it was a four-person crew. I learned how to build decks. I learned how to make additions to houses. Uh, the, the roof one was the scariest for me because I am afraid of heights. So that, that one was tough. So had Bill called me when I was maybe building a deck, I might have had a different answer. But when I was up on that roof, scared to death, I, you know, I gave it a, a second thought. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm a scared of heights as well. I, I don't think you could catch me on a roof doing a roof job, especially mine, which is at a really nasty pitch. Um, so I can fully relate to that, though. I think um, Kevin O'Connor and Tom Silver might be I, I got to we got to call them and tell them about this great little story about how a coach decided to become <laughs> a roofer uh, and then re remodel homes and then went back to coaching. Uh, but the other part of that is the same time you came in, Interesting enough was when Jim Calhoun came in. The program had gone co-ed at the school. The school had gone co-ed. Um, maybe people don't realize you're a UConn grad. So as part of this UConn um, tidal wave invasion, I don't know what you want to call it, of St. Joseph's. And obviously the attention has been on the men's program for what Calhoun and, and everybody else there at the men's program have done stunningly well. To be completely honest, that is not easy to do, though I've always argued going co-ed to men and bringing men in, you, you certainly can have a, a big bang for your buck right out of the gate. But Glenn Miller and the rest have done a tremendous job. 
what was what was your mentality coming in? You obviously knew Coach Calhoun from your days at UConn, but what was your mentality coming in, taking that job, knowing what the men were now doing at that campus? Were, was there any trepidation that this was going to be the Calhoun show and, and you guys were just going to be kind of the, the other gig? Um, sure, a little bit, and it, and it was. Um, my first year, they were doing a uh, the ESPN. Yeah, the documentary, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the documentary. So, like, every single practice, they were here. So, it was like, you know, can you please get off the court so the women can practice? Right. Oh, have to practice? You know, so, yeah. Excuse me, we that, only have one gym here. <laughs> that first year was tough, you know, um, not going to lie. But um, I knew – that all that would subside. Um, and I just kept my head down and recruited and tried to make the best of that first year. Um, me from when he coached at UConn. Um, so, you know, I, that first year was, was tough in some ways, but in other ways he helped, he helped it along. And, um, you know, I think, just having the men here, first of all, it kept St. Joe's alive, in, in my opinion. And the, the, the constant um, press that we were getting from the men's side helped with my recruiting. Um, and so ultimately, I do believe that, you know, having a great men's team has definitely helped with me with recruiting for my team. So it wasn't something that I was against or not happy with at all it, it, i felt like it helped my program and and you know glenn and i we get along great and and we're both rocking and rolling this year trying to keep things going so um you know i, I i'm one of these believers that the more teams that can win at your school the better it is and not everybody believes that you know there's some some schools where it's like I hope I do well and hope everyone else does poorly because it makes me look good. That's not how we operate here at St. Joe's at all. We, we, it's a true family in that we want everybody to do well. I, that we, you hit on an, a thing that I've seen too many times, whether it's a women's coach or a men's coach who doesn't want the other program to succeed because they think it takes away from their program. I have seen it in too many places it is the most egotistical and non-Division three thing I have ever seen in my life. And it baffles me that they think it's totally kosher. Um, but unpacking the, the, the men's side, I come from a school that went co-ed. I was a male student athlete who came on that campus because I know they needed male students. It absolutely saved that campus. If it saves it for the future, I don't know. It's different time then. The timing was different. But we have Notre Dame down in Maryland who has just made that decision and gone co-ed this year. And you've got other schools I know who are grappling with that conversation. So I can certainly appreciate that perspective. But again, to your point, the attention was on the men's program. So how you you hinted on it there. You, you touched on it a little bit. Give us a little sense of really where that was helping you on the recruiting side because obviously it's got you to this point. Yeah, well, it's really just a matter of you know, I would talk to some, I would talk to a recruit and I'd be like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I saw your, your men's team on the news the other day. Right. Or, oh, Calhoun's coaching the men's team. You know, Hey, whatever. I don't care. Whatever, whatever gets you to come here. You know who I am. So let's go. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't care. You know, it's like, however, I. You get, might see Jim walking around. You never know. Yeah, he he still walks around these halls. So, yeah, I mean, I you know, again, it's like, I really started by focusing on just recruiting a lot of Connecticut kids because I feel like there's good enough basketball here, and I knew. I had to also understand the fact that I would probably have a lot of commuters at first because there's a lot of commuters at this school. And so I kind of stayed close to home my first few years. And if you look at my roster, I'm still, I still stayed close to home. I have a lot of Connecticut kids. Um, so, so, you know, they watch the news, parents watch the news. And, and I can't tell you how many times I would go up and talk to a kid and then the parent would say, oh, Jim Calhoun's at that school now? Hey, whatever starts a conversation, I'll take it. And that's kind of how it went. Yeah, looking at the roster, I mean, Bristol, Columbia, Middleton, Middletown, which, by the way, is home of Wesleyan, Brist- Bristol again, Will- uh Hartford, Canton. Morris, Plainville, New Britain, Walcott. Yeah, they're all they're all within what an hour at the most. At the most. Yeah, at the most. Now you do have a Puerto Rico in there. Uh, you do have a Palmer, Massachusetts, so that's not too far out uh, of the stretch. And you do have a uh, North Situate, uh, Rhode Island, which isn't too far away either. But still, yeah, a little bit of variety. But it, it certainly is an interesting, um, more close to home roster as it were. You said something else that really jumped out at me. Again, a former all-women's school that went co-ed to men, obviously. Bring in a men program, bring in a Jim Calhoun, bring in a Glenn Miller. They get all the attention. But you talk about an AD, former coach, a lot of support. You talk about a president who shows up to games, ton of support. We have seen that in what she has said, especially about the men's program. That is, I wouldn't call it unique, but it certainly isn't always the case at small division three institutions to get everybody on board and get that kind of top-down support. I know it doesn't give you the world, but it's got to give you a lot. Absolutely. Um, President free. I just love that she is pro athletics. You know, it's, it's, it's tough coaching at a school where the president doesn't buy into athletics. Like let's or be get it at all exactly and let's be realistic like we work for admissions like we are bringing in you know we are bringing in the people so she understands that she gets it um and even you know amanda our our athletic director again she she coached division three she was at wentworth um her husband coached at hartford as an assistant so i mean just having people that understand athletics, you know, there's so, again, there's some athletic directors that they've never coached or played a sport in their life, but they're business people, or they were hired to be a big fundraiser. Right. And that just doesn't bode well for the coaches or the student athletes. And I just feel like we really have the best of both worlds with the president and the athletic director, just being pro athletics, pro coaches, pro student athletes and I mean, our, our school is just booming. I mean, we just built a brand new baseball field for our first year baseball coach, Adam Goss, who's going to do a tremendous job this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, USJ is just, it is, it's going up and a lot of division, not a lot, but there are some division three schools in new England who are going the other way and closing. 
So, no, we're going to, you know, yeah, we're going to see a lot of closings to be hearing about growth and about builds and about confidence in things is not uh, um, an always conversation, especially in New England. Right. So, you know, for me, it's kudos to President Free for realizing that in order to keep USJ going and, and not even going, but be better was to bring in someone like Jim Calhoun to coach a men's basketball team. I mean, good for her. You know, huh? she's a business person. She's yeah, smart. R- right. The savviness there. Yeah. Absolutely. And then bring in and then complete the Yukon uh, invasion by bringing in a Wendy Davis. Uh, we should point <laughs> out, by the way, you and Glenn both also have the NESCAC understanding. He he was previously at Conn College. You previously at Trinity. You two both understand the, the academic angles of this stuff as well. Hey, quickly before we let you go, uh, I've taken a lot of your time. I really appreciate it. This has been awesome to talk to you. Sorry we didn't get you on sooner. But let me pivot back to the season. You're at Dean for your next game coming up February 1st, then at home against Albertus Magnus on the road for two more at home for the final two before you jump into the GNAC tournament. Uh, listen, we know it's coach speak. You take one game at a time, but at the same time, I know you want to stay in position for this GNAC tournament and, and hopefully maybe punch a ticket to March if you can get the right spot. So what's the conversation in the locker rooms? What's the, the mentality? What's the point of view going into your final six before tournament play? Yeah, well, it's like you said, it's stay the course. It's, um, it is one game at a time, actually. But, you know, I haven't been calling it, but my players have been calling it the revenge tour. Um, you know, last year we lost an important game against Riviere. We beat them this year. Last year we lost a really important game to Regis. We beat them this year. You know, and, and those games last year, those losses dropped us down – to where we had to play the play-in game of the playoffs. So we had to play Monday and Tuesday, and that's just tough. So our, our goal at all costs this year is to stay out of that playing game on Monday. We want to play Tuesday at home, and, and that's the goal. And to play Tuesday at home, you know, you got you to gotta finish pretty strong. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, we're not done with our revenge tour yet, so we want to keep it going. Um you know, it's exciting for this group and, and I'm happy for them, be, you know, because like you said, the men, you know, they do get a lot of the press and which is fine. But, uh, you know, I feel like this year we're kind of staying with them as far as our record and, and the girls are excited about that. So I'm happy for them. Well, congratulations. Seriously, um, really Thank impressed you. with what the program has been able to turn around the corner. We're looking forward to seeing how it continues to play out. Appreciate you coming on and talking about it and being so forthright as well. Um Again, I don't suggest going back to the roof, but we have some projects around this house. I might need to call you on A, some tips, or B, listen, side gig this summer? I I don't know. Hey, let me know. I redid my kitchen for like a quarter of the price. So See, we need a new master bath. We need new windows. Um, The roof's getting taken care of with insurance. We're, we're, We're okay there, but the rest, we need some help. Maybe I'll call you. All right. Hey, it's a life skill that you just, you know, it's a life skill that's saving me a lot of money. Yeah, that's the truth. If we can find a way to say it's the saving money part. I'm I'm good with some things. It's just the overall. So I'll call you. We'll call. We'll talk. We'll work something out. Wendy Davis, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. We have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Oh, just, you know, the last push. I, I hope all the coaches out there just, you know, stay consistent, stay true to who you are as a coach and, uh, have some fun. You know, that's the other thing. You know, I didn't even have to take this job. I could have just said, peace out. I'm done. But, uh, 
coaching's fun. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in the wins and losses that we don't enjoy the journey. So everybody out there, just enjoy the journey. Have some fun in life. Hey, could you tell Gino to do the same, by the way? I've, sometimes I'm worried he's getting too much into the wins and losses. Yeah, Gino Gino needs to have some fun. He, I think he's just drinking too much wine at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. Wendy, thanks so much for your time. Thank Take you. care. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. All right. I appreciate you. Thank you. Wendy Davis joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Great conversation with Coach. Uh, really enjoyed that one. Great to chat with her. Appreciate the time that she gave us. Um, fun, fun conversation, to say the least. Uh, again, that race is crazy, and she's hinted she doesn't really know what the schedule is going to be like next year, which is kind of perplexing to me. We're going to have to dive into that. The GNAC, I'm not sure what the solution is. Apparently, they didn't like division, so they all went all in. There's going to be some changes in the Northeast that could affect some of this, but we'll keep an eye on that and see how that GNAC race continues. The rest of Region 1 very quickly. Obviously, in the NESCAC, uh, Bowden and Bates are start, starting to really pull themselves away from the rest. Uh, they're both 6-0, Bowden 19-1, Bates 18-2, the two main schools who are neighbors uh, doing really well this season. Middlebury is next, 13-7 overall, 5-2 in conference play, followed by Trinity Connecticut, who's 13-6, 4-2. Then Amherst, 16-4, 4-3, and then Tufts, 11-7, 3-3. By the way, all but two teams in the NESCAC have a winning record this season. Wesley and Colby Hamilton all have winning records in overall uh, the only ones who don't are Williams and Connecticut College. And Williams, Pat Manning squad, has pulled off some huge upsets this season. That NESCAC may not be as top dominant as it seems. I think Bowden and Bates may be being undersold a little bit. But it's deeper and more competitive than it's ever been. And that's been a lot of fun to watch. MASCAC, Bridgewater State. Is uh, on top of the conference at seven and zero, but they're eleven and nine overall. Uh, Framingham State is six and one in conference play and seventeen and two overall. This is that Framingham State team we saw out in Las Vegas, who beat Westminster, Missouri handily, and then had a really good battle with Trinity, Texas. Walter Pascal's team playing very well. Their one loss in conference, Bridgewater State. Watch the end of this MASCAC race. It'll be fun. They've distanced themselves a little bit from Westfield, uh, who's two games back of Framingham, so three games back of Bridgewater State. And then Worcester State is much further back than that. So this is turning into a two-team um, race at the top of the MASCAC. Over in the NAC, of course, it's split into two regions. Maine Maritime women are playing well. They're 8-0 in conference play. Uh, have a, wow, this is a tough math. I think it's two-game lead on Husson. They've got one in the win column and three in the loss column. Uh, having a really good season. On the other side, SUNY Cobbleskill is leading the way. They're 18-1 and overall, 9-0 and in conference action. Reminder, the two sides will face off for uh, the win. Um, and then if you quickly go to Region 2, I know I'm taking some time that we really need to go elsewhere with, but I wanted to go through the conferences. you got the New Mac in the Little East, the Triple C, obviously, here. And in the New Mac, uh, it is a five-horse race. I kid you not. We were talking about how crazy the NJAC is. Well, Smith, Coast Guard, Springfield, Clark, and MIT are all four and one. Babson is three and two. Emerson is two and three. Wheaton, Mass, WPI, one and four. Wellesley and Mount Holyoke are all 0 and five. Five teams tied atop the new Mac race right now. Again, they all play each other once, so a few of them play each other a second time overall. Uh, Smith is 15 and three. Coast Guard 15 and four. Springfield 15 and four. Clark 14 and five. MIT 13 and five. Really good basketball 
in the new Mac. Over in the in the LEC, the Little East, uh, Rhode Island College continues to dominate. They're 20 and 0, 11 and 0 in conference play. Mass Dartmouth is having a really good season at 17-2, 9 and 1 in conference action. It's just being dwarfed by Rhode Island College, and they have distanced themselves. Eastern Connecticut and Southern Maine are all six and five. Southern Maine is eight and twelve overall, but six and five in conference play. But again, they're three and a half games back of Mass Dartmouth, and Eastern Connecticut and Southern Maine are sitting uh, five games back of Rhode Island College. Uh, it is Rhode Island colleges to continue to dominate. Uh, in the Triple C Conference, Western New England leads away. Uh, one game lead over a three-way tie for second with Suffolk uh, University of New England and Roger Williams. And then it's two games back to get to Endicott. So that's an interesting race in the Commonwealth. Western New England in a good position there, but that is far, far from over. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll head out to the Northwest Conference, talk men's basketball with Whitworth and the Pirates. A great conversation as well with Damian Zimdop. Coach Damian, I, I, for some reason, I got his head just, his last name stuck in my head for some reason. We'll fix that when we come back from the break. No listen hoops presented by d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division 3 basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three Athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. We are calling you. All of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. 
It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Quick update on our Facebook stream. Can't get it back up and running. Uh, it was dumped once again, as it has been recently by Facebook, um, for whatever reason, when our camera freezes. But now the problem is it won't restart it on the exact same credentials. But we'll figure that out in the offseason ahead of our half marathon. Not offseason, I'm sorry, off week ahead of our, our uh, half marathon coming up on Friday. Switching gears, talking men's basketball. If you look at the north uh, in the region 10, which of course now encompasses uh, the SCIAC, the SCAC, the ASC, the Northwest Conference, um, it's an interesting scenario. Uh, first off, let's quickly look around uh, the SCAC race, the Southern Collegiate Athletic Conference race. It's Trinity, Texas is right now. They're 21 and 1. They're 11 and 1 overall. They've now got a two game lead on St. Thomas, Texas, who. Um, has the win over Trinity, but have not been able to close the gap further. I think they took another. Yeah, they did take another loss after that. Unfortunately, though, they won their last one. Uh, they're both nine and one in their last ten. Colorado College is two games back of St. Thomas. Shriner is a game back of Colorado College, or they're kind of tied. St. Thomas is eight and two. Shriner is seven and five. Colorado Texas is six and four. Then Centenary at five and five. So, a bit of a. Uh, Confusion there. Trinity, Texas at this point, playing to hopefully be hosting the opening weekend, if not maybe beyond, if they can get it all right. Uh, but they can't take another loss, in my opinion, uh, to, to anybody they should be beaten. Um, the Sky Act, the Southern Collegiate Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. Cal Lutheran dominating right now. They got a one-game lead on Claremont Mud Scripps, who's got a half-game lead on Pomona Pitzer, who's got a game-and-a-half lead on Occidental. Uh, Redlands has faded, interestingly enough. Macau Lutheran has won 12 in a row now. They are 16 and 3 overall, 9 and 1 in conference play. Claremont Mud Scripps has won one in a row, but they're nine and nine wins in their last 10, 14 and 5 overall. Pomona Pitzer is six have won six of their last 10. They're 14 and 4 overall. Uh, Occidental is 5 and 5 in the last 10. So is Chapman. Redlands is 6 and 4 in their last 10. They have been struggling in conference play, basically alternating wins and losses since um, the New Year's. Lost to Claremont Mud Strips, beat Whittier, lost to Pomona Pitzer, beat Occidental, lost to Chapman, beat Caltech, lost to Laverne, and now have beat Whittier. But they've got Pomona Pitzer ahead along with Cal Lutheran and Claremont Mud Strips. So Redlands, if they want to get back into it, can make some waves in the next three. Well, keep an eye on the Skyak race, but Cal Lutheran really impressing this season. American Southwest Conference, Harden-Simmons really playing well. Um 
Though they've only won their last four, their nine of their last ten is their wins. Their one loss coming to Concordia, Texas, back on the thirteenth. But they got a game win on a game lead on Texas Dallas, who in turn has a game and a half game and two two game two game lead on Laterno and East Texas Baptist, who are each seven and five. Um, Harden Simmons in control of that ASC right now, that ever dwindling ASC. Then you jump to the Northwest Conference. It's a two. Uh, team race right now atop the two wits, Whitman and Whitworth. Then George Fox, Will Lamont, and Puget Sound are all six and four. Pacific Life, um, Pacific Life, Pacific Lutheran, and Pacific are four and six. And I'm wondering if Linfield's regretting getting rid of their coach, but I, I digress. But the two wits are going to be playing on Tuesday night in their final game uh, against one another. For Whitworth, they, after that, they are home for three of their final five. But this Whitman game is huge after they have lost the last two games this past weekend. And we got a chance to talk to Damian Zemblowski about the team and what is going on at Whitman, and it was a great conversation. It's on the Hoopsville Hotline. It's the head coach of the Whitworth Pirates. It's our friend Damian Zemblowski. Uh, Damian, first off, congratulations on leading the conference at this point because it feels like it's a it's – a, and I know you're tied with Whitman, don't get me wrong, but – it feels like this is a, a conference that's a little bit um, all over the place, to be completely honest. But welcome in on the same and, and all the same. And I know it's a tough stretch right here, but I appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Uh, yeah, like you said, I think our conference is uh, the it's a wide open race. And uh, this is my 13th year at Whitworth. And I think uh, it's probably just the, the tightest uh, Northwest Conference uh, race that I've been a part of. Tight is for sure. Uh, as we said in the intro, you are tied with Whit, uh, Whitman at the top. <laughs> Surprise, the two wits are tied at the top. Eight and two, that seems to be the, the pattern for a number of years. George Fox, two games back in a three-way tie for third with Willamette and Puget Sound. Uh, and we should point out that I, I went and booked this segment um, not seeing a two-game losing streak uh, for the weekend coming for you all. So I appreciate you coming on. But prior to that, you had won seven in a row. Um yeah. But streaks are kind of the story of this. We'll get into that in a little bit more detail, but let's just talk about the weekend quickly. Get it out of the way. Pacific, Willamette, two teams that uh, you had to travel to, um, mm-hmm. but both teams not necessarily – I mean, I assume you expected to come out of that 2-0. Sure. I mean, that's the hope. Obviously, we were uh, 8-0 in conference at the turn, and you know there are some, some things on our side, obviously, we're disappointed about, but um, – you know, it's kind of a testament to what I was saying about this conference and just honestly, college basketball in general is, um, you know, there is a lot of parity out there and, um, you know, any team can win on any given night. And, you know, we ran into a couple teams that really got it going on the offensive end and shot the ball really well. And we just didn't do what we needed to do to get it done. Um, so credit to both of those teams. But uh, we still find ourselves tied uh for the lead in in the northwest conference and heading to whitman tomorrow for uh, a matchup that will be pretty pivotal yeah that's the case uh, our timing works out perfect right ahead of the whitman <laughs> rivalry game uh the the rare midweek game in conference play uh, going back to early december when you played willamette and, P- and pacific prior you beat willamette handily 101 71 and you beat pacific in a tight game 67 65 this time around, losing by 15 to Pacific, 89-74, and losing by 7 to Willamette. What, other than it being six weeks later, what was the – and home and away, I realize that's a significant part of this too, but what what was the difference on the floor? 
Uh, they shot the heck out of the ball, both teams. I think yeah. uh, if I if I recall, I mean, it was plus sixty percent for Pacific on that night, and uh, it just seemed like uh, it didn't matter what we did, uh, the ball was going to drop for them. So again, you know, a credit to them. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's it's funny. You know, you get uh, you know fans or talking heads, like you know people in your area, and it's like uh, we we all fans want you to be perfect. I understand that. I feel that way as a coach too, but sport has a way of uh, providing humility. And in a game like basketball uh, where a really good shooting night or, um, you know, just, just the, the number of components that go into a game, like any team can win on any given night. Um, so that's what we ran into. And, you know, I'm, it's funny, you know, there was a, a quote that's been circulating on uh, social media from uh, Nikola uh, Jokic. Um, I don't know if you've heard it recently, but he he talks about, he said, like, if you want to be success, successful, then you have to be bad. And then you need to be good. And once you're good, you need to fail. And that's how you figure it out. And there, there's a process to it. And, and those are the steps involved. And you can't skip them. And so I think there's so many parallels to my team, uh, you know, what we're going through right now uh, of just figuring it out. You know, we've been good and uh, you got to have some some trip ups along the way. You know, one thing about my squad that's interesting is that, um, you know, I play nine to ten guys on a given night and I'm anchored by yeah, uh, a gra- uh, graduate and two seniors. And then the other seven players are sophomores. So I have a very young squad overall. And, um, and you know, in college basketball experience, you know, uh, means a lot. You got to go through those things to gain experience. Well said. Um, lot to unpack there. First off, hadn't heard that quote only because I don't dive into the NBA as much as I do D3, but it's a very good point. Uh, To your point about the shooting, by the way, Pacific in that game this weekend shot 55% for the game, but 62% in the first half. They were 56% beyond the arc, but they were 5 of 6 in the first half. Uh, You guys shot 44% and 35%, I would say, about average. In the second game, just for everybody at home, 54% is what Willamette shot for the game, uh, including 64 four plus percent in the second half uh well yeah. you guys actually not too bad you were 52 and a half percent for the game this the outside shooting failed you in the first half going one for six so just to back up what you were yeah. saying there um a, a bit uh going to your team let's let let's let's pivot to that mm-hmm. we'll dive back into the re- schedule again because there are a couple questions i have but we'll back since you brought up the team sure. it's a great point to talk about jojo anderson leads this team in scoring he is a junior uh, with two years of experience shooting uh, or scoring almost 17 points a game, pulling down three boards, one of the top guys handing out assists. In fact, he's, he's, he is the top guy in assist. Um, and then it's Jake Holtz. I think a lot of people know the Jake Holtz name, certainly the senior from Hawaii, uh, averaging 16 points a game, six and a half boards per contest, shoots really well at 56-plus percent. And then it's Sullivan Menard, um, the other one in double figures. Menard, that senior you were talking about as well, at 14 and a half, five points a game, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's that trio. And as you said, it's underclassmen, upperclassmen kind of mix. You also go deep in the bench. Get Dive into this a little bit more for us. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, Jojo is a, a junior in, uh, academically, but a sophomore basketball wise, uh, he was out all last year due to, due to a season ending injury just prior to the start of the season. Um, so 
he's really still a bit youthful in that, but super dynamic guard and able to uh, create a lot of things. Uh, Jake is, you know, a senior um, who plans on coming back for a grad year, go to grad school next year. Um, and he's really, I don't know, about 50 points away uh, from hitting the thousand point mark. So he's been a great uh, scorer for us and really, really grown over the years. And then uh, Sullivan is a, a transfer who's been in our program for uh two years, but the first year he was injured as well. Um, and uh, he's done a great job uh, this year, just really coming on and being a score. So yeah, those guys have, have led us. And, um, and then we've had different contributors on different nights from those underclassmen. And uh, I'm really excited about that group. Um, you know, again, I think even just to have uh, that many guys that I feel comfortable going with, um, is a, is a testament to, you know, what kind of depth we ultimately will have. But again, they're, they're learning and they're growing. So love my team. It's a great group of guys. Um, and, you know, obviously we've, we've had some bumps along the way, but we've had some great victories. You know, we were able to pull out a, uh, a win against Elmhurst uh, in late December and that kind of spurred on our, our run that we were on until this weekend uh, through conference. So um, that's, again, when I go back to that, that quote that I, I talked about, I think, you know, we've had some recent failures and this is our chance to figure it out. No, great point. Uh, again, a tough stretch, but you've got Whitman now right ahead of you. There's mm -hmm. got to be a little bit of, if it's accurate, goldfish um, mentality here, right? It kind of the, you know, steal a, a little bit from Ted Lasso. Forget it. You've got to move on here. You, you've got to focus on Whitman. It's a, it's a battle for first place. It's at their place. There, there's there's a lot riding on Tuesday night before you even tackle the rest of the season. Yes, this weekend put you in this spot, though it's still a big game, but you got to forget it this weekend. Yeah, you do. You move on, and that's uh, that's what, honestly, life is about. You have to take the next steps, and I think that's what's a, a great opportunity as a coach and as an educator, you know, to be able to help, you know, these student-athletes understand is that you just got to put uh, your next foot forward and – continue to be in the process because life is going to throw a lot of trials and tribulations at you. And that's the beauty of sport is that you get to learn these lessons through a game uh, that are ultimately going to help you in life. So you're right. I mean, you have to learn what yesterday, uh, the lessons they provided you, but then you have to quickly refocus and move forward. You can't dwell on the past. You can't think too far ahead in the future. You just have to try and be in the present. To pivot on that a little bit and not to say it can't happen, but you guys did have a four-game losing streak in December. That certainly is probably a concern in this moment. You lost. It's to not, Hot Dave. That's the past. I know. I know. I, I, I got to say it. <laughs> That's though, right? the past. Those are the those are the easy things to to get caught up on. Absolutely. Um, That's my point. Which is the same thing in the you know in the where are you at in a victory stretch? Well, it doesn't matter. It's only what right. is next in front of you. So uh, that's I think the beauty of it. It really is. It's so easy for us. It's human nature to uh, to do that. Um, all of us do that. I mean, you probably don't meet a coach out there who before the season doesn't uh, daydream about going undefeated for the rest of the season. Oh, of you course. know, before you've played a yeah. game, and uh, um, so we all do that. Um, but, uh, but ultimately that rarely happens. Um, I know there's some, some awesome, uh, instances out there where it has, but it rarely happens. And so, uh, and probably the way that it does happen is those people are 
able to be in the moment as much or better than uh, than others. No, great point. And that's kind of where I was going with that because, yes, it's a four-game losing streak that you're supposed to not remember. However, right. I want to I want to point out just a couple of interesting things about it. First, uh, it was coming off the Willamette and Pacific um, weekend sweep. It was Oshkosh, Santa Cruz, Dubuque, Knox. For the most part, pretty good teams. We know Oshkosh, despite being in the middle of the WAC, still a darn good team. Santa Cruz just knocked off Christopher Newport on the East Coast. Uh, Dubuque has been in the conversation in the top 25 now in an absolutely bonkers ARC race. And Knox Dubuque actually is a is, very good team. Yeah, exactly. And, and Knox has been an interesting squad. I've kind of been watching them a little bit from the side going, huh, you know, they, they got off to a good start. They look like a good team. They've fallen on tougher times, but they, they get some big victories. So it's an interesting four-game stretch uh, right before the holidays. Uh, of course, we should point out Dubuque and Knox was in Hawaii, so I feel horrible for you all on that trip. <laughs> I know that was a tough one for you. Um, but my point being is, okay, yes, you're supposed to forget about it. But mm-hmm. you as a coach or as a staff or even as a team, what lessons can you take from that four-game stretch that even though you're supposed to be forgetting, you either adjust practices or you adjust tactics or you adjust whatever going, okay, this didn't work. Let's take this from a different approach. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's complicated because the the opponents change. So there's always st- strategy and tactics that are involved. And, you know, you learn your team throughout the season, every coach learns the specific team and you rely on the experience that you have with other teams to try and apply, you know, solutions to things. So, um, but I would say the thing that helped us the most, cause you, you talk about that streak of being, you know, uh, on the wrong end of uh, the win loss. And then we turn that around with a victory over a top 25 team. The, it, you mentioned Ted Lasso earlier. It really is the, the the fact that you have to believe. You have to believe in yourself and those people around you. And you have to believe that you're doing everything within your power to make corrections and to put your best foot forward. And so um, I, I think the belief part of it is the most important thing uh, as a as a program, as a team, as a coach trying to uh, distill on your players that you have to do, it really is. You have to believe and trust um, that, that if you do the right things, if you focus on the process, um, the results will most likely be the, the, the best possible. Yeah. That's the interesting part is after that four game slide right before Christmas, uh, you're in Hawaii. You come back after the New Year's, and you get, or right before New Year's, I should say. A lot of people had December 30th games, besides not going yeah. anywhere. It's thrown me off this season. You beat Elmhurst, who at the time was a top 25 team, certainly still in that conversation in a tough CCIW. But you beat Elmhurst by three at home. You then got the win over Whitman. That mm-hmm. technically puts you kind of in the edge right now. And two games after that, you get the win over George Fox, who was obviously having a really good season, too. So, yeah. Interesting. Four-game slide, tough teams, pivot out of that. Four-game wins, tough teams. Now you're in this two-game slide, and you need to get back on the horse. What is it about Whitman that that you that you guys are – I know you're not going to give me X's and O's prior to the game. But what is it about Whitman that you guys think you can take advantage of or what is in your favor or worked well in the last game that you hope to, to replicate, et cetera, et cetera, obviously knowing – 
you know, coaches may be listening to the show and all that, but you know, it, the game is still to be played. Yeah. Well, I mean, in any game you go into, you want to try and um, do your best to uh, maximize your strengths and, and minimize theirs. Uh, they, you know, they're a really good offensive team. Uh, they play with really great pace offensively. Um, they cut really well and, and they have a lot of guys who can shoot the ball. And so, uh, you know, I think any, anytime you can try and, uh, and uh, take a team out of what they like to do, at least try and minimize it. Uh, that's what you're going to do. And so, you know, it's going to take a really great defensive effort for us, uh, from us. Um, you know, a rivalry game is is awesome. It's really it's really fun to play in those games. Uh, you know, I've been here 13 years, and um, you know, these two programs. First of all, just in proximity, it's a rival for the school. And then, uh, you know, we've had two really successful basketball programs over that time. And um, so there's been a, a lot of really great games. And I, I think our guys look forward to it. They're excited about the the challenge. And we know that there's going to be a lot of passion behind it. And um, so it, it'll be a fun challenge for us. Yeah, two programs that have been at the top of the Northwest Conference have certainly done well, had really good runs in the NCAA tournament especially, and two programs who have changed coaches during that time, and you and LaMana are are saddled with keeping that uh, tradition and success going, which is an interesting perspective as well in all of this. Uh, after that, you got three games at home, Lewis and Clark, Linfield, George Fox. Then you finish on the road with Pacific Lutheran and Puget Sound. Obviously, this is this is far from done. I do ask you this. Yeah. Um, yep. Pretty good out-of-conference schedule, but probably not the results you need to help yourself if you don't get the AQ. Is the conversation already been right. had that we got to win the AQ here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. You know, you you play, you know, as a coach, my philosophy has been to try and uh, play the best non-conference uh, schedule possible for a variety of reasons. One, so that you can help your team learn and grow and uh be prepared to compete at a national level um and two to give yourselves an opportunity potentially to have you know an at-large discussion we didn't get the results that are going to warrant that uh, but we still got the opportunity to cut our teeth against some really good teams and grow and i think that that's only going to benefit us uh down the road and you know you you always run that risk um you know, if you don't, if you, if you're not able to win enough of those games to not be in that, um, conversation, but to be honest with you, uh, there is actually somewhat of, uh, a liberation that comes from that. I know you're in the business of, of talking about those bubble teams and doing that, but when you're not, when it's not something you need to worry about, then there's no worry involved and you just can focus on, uh, the task at hand. So, um, it, it might not be what we wanted out of it, but it, it can also be uh, a blessing to some degree because uh, your players and your coaches aren't aren't thinking about that. You're only thinking about you know what's in front of you. Man, there's there's a lot out of that. That's that's great. You're right. If if you know that the only goal here right now is to win the AQ and get in, you don't have to literally worry about anything outside of that. You can just put blinders on to the rest. Who cares about rankings? Who cares about the, this? The reality is, it's funny that that's the majority of the teams out there. Absolutely that's the agree. majority yep. of the teams, uh, you know, uh, and, and you know, I, I said, I think our league, um, I couldn't make an argument that our league, you know, is at this at this moment in time 
is, uh, you know, one of the most competitive, but I, I mean, we have, uh, three other wins in, uh, of teams in our conference have three other wins against top 25 opponents this year. So like, I know whoever represents our league in the NCAA tournament, um, on a given night can, you know, can be competitive, can win, could make a, uh, can, uh, you know, make a run. So, uh, you know, it's kind of exciting in, in that sense that uh, even if we don't stack up at the moment from strength of schedule or, or that kind of thing, um, the potential is there. It's kind of a young league in general. We've had two. I, I say that because we've had two coaching changes within our league just this year, you know, coming into this year. Uh, we had a lot of turnover in our top talent and we have a young crop. I'm talking not just Whitworth, but as a league of uh, we have a, a good crop of young talent uh, that's up and coming. So um, I think uh, we're kind of in a transition stage as, as a league right now. Um, and um, I'm hopeful for uh, for the future of the Northwest Conference. Yeah, no, great, great thought. Uh, again, we had George Fox on the show earlier this season and just showing a little bit of the pivot in this conference as well and the success that's coming along. I don't want to say figuring out the recruiting, but understanding what may work best in the Northwest mm-hmm. Conference to get that talent in on top of the fact we have great talent, period, coming into yep. Division Three, uh, And we're starting to see some other schools who don't focus on the scheduling as much start to look at the scheduling a little bit more. So, uh, no, great Damien, great chat. I, I really appreciate you diving in because you you go you went into a couple places. I think some coaches are resistant to talk about. Um, sure, and, and I appreciate your perspective on it. That's why I love having you on the show. It's a matter of sometimes figuring out when's the right time to get you. I don't want to bug you too many times. We decided, despite the losses, we go for it this time. Um, well, I pre- I appreciate that, and it and if anything, I hope it gives some perspective. Again, probably for the majority of teams out there, and what what they're battling and uh going through and um and uh, you know allows uh a viewer to to recognize the perspective you know one of the awesome things i've i've seen in division three is you know a lot of really great coaches out there that are good great educators and are concerned about uh helping the student athlete have a great experience and also learn those lessons and um so that that's one of the wonderful things about division three is there's a lot of people in it for the right reasons. And um, so maybe this is a perspective for some other people to see out there. Uh, you know, what, what goes into, uh, you know, coaching and, uh, and educating in division three. Well said again, um, I might clip that for a future Hoopsville promo or something. We'll see. Um, but no, it's a great point. That's what we got this got into this for the first place, right? It's about the student athletes. It's about their success. It doesn't necessarily mean the X's and O's and the wins and the losses and the whether you're playing in March or not. We get certainly wrapped up mm-hmm. in all of that. But at the same time, there's four, oh, 375 schools or something, 350 schools that don't even get to see March but they've got some great stories too, and and I appreciate you coming on and talking about the story of the Pirates uh, at this juncture in the season. As always, sir, we give the guests the final word. Though, any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, as always, just appreciate uh, your guys' coverage and uh, shedding light on on the student athlete experience. I think it's an awesome thing uh, for all of the the schools involved who who get to uh, have that spotlight. So I appreciate it. Thank you, sir, for everything that you do. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, Good luck going to Walla Walla. uh, Appreciate it. Have fun at least, and we'll look forward to catching up with you uh, a little further down the track. 
Yep, sounds good. It is Whitworth and Damon Zablonski joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Thanks to Coach for joining us. Great conversation with Damian uh, about his team. They're just getting off the bus probably right about now in Walla Walla if they haven't gotten off already. Uh, great conversation with him, and I really appreciate the time he gave us. And great insight, too. Uh, yeah, two games losing streaks put them in a, in a tie there with Whitman. For the, so this game on Tuesday is going to be a big deal. Win one of those, they got a one-game lead. Win both of them, they got a two-game lead, and they're in control of the Northwest Conference. But that's not how things work out, right? Take a break. When we come back, we'll head out to the Southern um, Athletic Conference, the SAA. We'll talk uh, with Barry Men's Basketball, a team that is definitely, I guarantee, off most of your radars. Back with more after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, 
I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect. It's the name of the game. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. Feel like we came back and nobody heard me. So we'll try that again. Sorry. Just looked down and everything was working except it wasn't bouncing on my system. So we'll start over. Uh, we were talking about um, jumping back in and welcome you back to Hoopsville here on this Thursday. Uh, we're running a little bit late, but some great conversations to be had here in uh, Division Three. Great conversation out there in Region 10. Um, and we'll have plenty more to talk about coming up on the half marathon on Friday. We've announced that. We'll be starting late morning and going in through uh, basically rush hour here on Hoopsville. We'll be doing about a six-hour show, working on the guests. We'll get more of that information. So stay with us on social media. You can find us on at D3Hoopsville on almost every avenue except for Facebook. Facebook is facebook.com slash Hoopsville. YouTube is at D3Hoopsville as well. For those of you streaming on YouTube, thank you. Those of you streaming on Facebook or wanted to stream on Facebook, I apologize. Just not working out today um, on their end. We'll have to figure that out for the marathon. We're jumping into Region 6 here on the men's side. We're talking about the ODAC, which is probably one of that and the UAA are the two of the most fun races to watch in Division Three men's basketball this season. Hamden City continues to lead the way. They've won 13 straight. They are 10-1 in conference play, 18-1 overall. They're the number one team in all the land. They're followed by Randolph-Macon now, who has won 11 in a row, believe it or not. They are 16-3 overall, 9-1 in conference play. They have a half-game lead in the standings on Guilford, though they have a win over Guilford. Guilford's won four in a row after losing to Macon. They've won nine of their last ten. They're 18-2 and two overall, 8-2 and two in conference play. Then it's a two-game drop, and then it's Bridgewater at 7-4, 14-6 uh, overall. And then Washington and Lee, who's 6-4, and 12-7 in conference play, followed by Shenandoah and Virginia Wesleyan, both 15-5, both 6-5 in conference play. Remember Shenandoah, who was on the show a few weeks back? former Virginia or led by a former Virginia Wesleyan uh, student athlete and uh, assistant coach Roanoke is right behind those two at five and six in conference play they're 12 and eight overall then it's Lynchburg also at five and six 10 and 10 and then Ferrum Ferrum unfortunately who started the season so well at 13 and seven now four and seven in conference play they've lost six of their last seven games all in conference action to Hamden Sydney WNL Shenandoah Randolph Megan Guilford and Bridgewater, who they lost to in overtime on Saturday. Their lone win back on January 6th against Virginia Wesleyan. They do have Randolph making ahead, but for Ferrum, it then becomes Virginia Wesleyan, Randolph making Bridgewater and Shenandoah to finish. It is a tough go for Ferrum, and I feel for Pat Corrigan's squad, who has had such a terrific start to this season and got so much attention. Granted, a bunch of games against non-Division three opponents, in fact, four, or five, I'm sorry, Mid-Atlantic Christian, Virginia Lynchburg, Regent, um, Johnson and Wales of North Carolina, who is coming to Division Three, and Carolina Christian. Change four of those, 
might have a better sense of who Farum is. But Farum also had a good start by beating uh, Averett and Roanoke and Lynchburg and Eastern Mennonite. Sorry, they lost to Lynchburg. But uh, they are, they're in a tailspin right now, and I hope Farum can figure it out. The ODAC tournament is one of the bigger ones out there. We'll see how it is. Eastern Mennonite, by the way, dead last in the conference, along with Randolph, both 1-10 in, in conference play. But the ODAC, bonkers to watch. We'll dive into that conference coming up again soon. Maryville leads the, C, uh, the Collegiate Conference of the South. They're 14-5 and five overall, 6-1 and one in conference play. Bellhaven is 14-6 and six overall, 5-3 and three overall. But Berea, who's 9-10, sits in second at 4-2 and two in conference play. Not a, an exciting race, but certainly one to keep an eye on. And then gets us to the SAA. This one's not going to jump off the table to you, all of you. Uh, Barry is 11-9 overall. They're 8-1 in conference action. Birmingham Southern's 12-10, 7-3 in conference play. Then nobody else with an above 500 record. Oglethorpe's 5-4 overall in the conference, but they're 8-12. Millsaps is 5-5 overall, but they're 6-14. Center is 4-5, but they're 9-11. Swanee's 4-5, but they're 8-11. It's not the most exciting conference race, but Barry is using it to get themselves righted. They learned a lot last season. They learned a lot in the offseason. And while their beginning of the season was anything but probably fun from their perspective, Mick Hedgepath's team went out there and challenged themselves. And I think they're starting to reap the benefits from that. We talked to him earlier today about the team, the conference race, and what they have learned about well, a lot of things. We talked to him, as we said earlier today. Now, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Barry Vikings. It's Mick Hedgepath. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it and all of that. I know it's not been the, the most um, consistent season, maybe is the best way of saying it. It's been, we'll get into that in a little bit, but I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely, Dave. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, you and I talking off air quickly before I got my, my wits about me, you know, this is a program that is coming off back to back 20 plus win seasons, 25 and three last year, 23 and three, the season before that, uh, COVID certainly a lot of attention going 13 and one during the, uh, let's call it the non season that some schools played. Of course, um, it was a pretty good year from your perspectives. And I know you weren't there at the time, but from the program's perspective and, and 19 wins prior to that expectations were a little bit high coming into this year. So maybe it's a little surprising for some that you're sitting at 11 and nine. What's, what's the, uh, what's the opinion on, on the team? Yeah. Um, you know, well, first of all, this is my second season here at Barry as the head coach and really enjoying it. Um, it's a phenomenal place to work that really values athletics great location, um, basically halfway between Atlanta and Chattanooga. Um, so really enjoying my time here. Um, you know, inherited a really good team last year. Um, like you said, went, went 25 and three, but missed out on, on the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, still familiarizing myself with the process. I'm actually on the rack, uh, committee, uh, for our conference and, I had my first rack meeting this morning, but as I've learned more about pool C's and what all plays into that, you know, we really um, increased um, our strength of schedule and, and created, I created the most challenging non-conference schedule that we could make. Um, you know, I think we've currently played four of the top 25 teams and, um, you know, we, we unfortunately fell just short in a lot of those. We've had six single digit losses this year. We faced, a lot of adversity, to be honest with you, early in the year, just with with injury and illness, and 
multiple guys out, some all season, some um, just part of parts of the season. Um, you know, so that's kind of what's gone into our, our pre-conference schedule and why our record is what it is. But um, I do think that adversity is, has made us stronger. And I think we're, we're getting better. Um, and I hope that, you know, I think all of our hope and the reason for creating that schedule is to uh, um, hopefully allow for us to have a realistic view of ourselves, which I think it is uh, definitely allowed for. Um, and also um, we hope that we can, you know, play our best, best basketball at the right time when it matters. Interesting you bring up uh, the scheduling because last year, if memory serves, first off, got all the way to the championship game in the SAA. I think it was a championship game. Lost to Sewanee and and were eliminated from the from the postseason despite three losses. I remember hearing, I did not talk to you or anybody else at Barry specifically, but I remember getting word that um, the committee was having conversations with everyone because the regional rankings, you were all sitting, seeing yourselves in a spot that was kind of a dangerous spot that didn't assure anything of a postseason if you couldn't win the conference. And there seemed to be some surprise and the conversation was strength of schedule. There, you know, you got to go out there and challenge mm-hmm. yourself. So two things I want to applaud. First, you went and did that. You, you, you were able to adjust the schedule for this year and go out there. Uh, listen, you played Roanoke, you played Emory, Maryville, uh, Mary Harden, Baylor, Trine, Calvin, Christopher Newport. Just among others, there are certainly some other good teams in there as well that taps you into some other conferences and stuff like that. But those are seven significant teams in significant conferences. Obviously, that decision uh, and, and that mentality was made. And then you're jumping on the rack and, and getting an understanding from a rack perspective. I can't tell you how many coaches, Mick, I talk to who have X perspective, jump on the rack and come back on, oh, okay. I understand this now. I, I grasp the concept. So hats off to you guys. And yes, you're struggling this year, but you you guys are learning a lot from this, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that we've learned a lot. Um, you know, I talked with our assistant coach, Matthew Richter, on the bus ride home last night from Millsaps. Um, you know, we've, we've seen so many different styles of play. Um, I think we've learned some things um, from from our lineups and rotation standpoint. Um, we've, we've learned that we need to be a little bit more disruptive defensively to create some easy offense for us. And, um, you know, many, many different things that I think um, this this challenging schedule is, um, has helped us in and hopefully, hopefully we'll pay dividends moving forward. You should point out, Richter, a former assistant on the program, went and spent, I believe, a year at Wabash, the year they went to the Final Four. If I have correct, yeah. So obviously he's got. And they played Barry first, and they played Barry the first round. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Oh, good point. Um, I want to talk about the team in a minute, but quickly about yourself uh, coming in um, from Belmont. Obviously, non-division three, division one, where you had been part of the the staff there for a number of years. You had graduated from there. You talk about the halfway between uh, Chattanooga. and uh, Atlanta, Belmont's a little further away, so you're, but you're staying in the same region. So you know the region, you know all those things. I'm curious what attracted you, though, to this Barry job and Division Three, considering your experience so much is rooted in Division One. Mm-hmm. Well, prior to working at Belmont, uh, I spent three years at the University of the South in Swanee, Tennessee, um, in our league. Uh, coach there, and then I coached oh, I for two that. seasons at Will- Coach for two seasons at Williams. Prior to that. Um, you know, so have plenty of D3 background and I had actually never been to Barry, 
um, until I worked at Swanee and, and we came here and played a league game and, um, you know, just blown away by the campus and the facilities and so many teams having success. And additionally, I'm from a small town in Northeast Alabama, uh, and Barry's in Rome, Georgia, Northwest Georgia. So it's about an hour away from home. And my wife and I started a family. We've got baby number two on the way. So to get a little closer and be a head coach again, it was, um, you know, certainly a draw for us. I apologize. I didn't read full enough into the bio. Normally I read every single word, but for some reason I stopped about halfway through. I now realize and totally missed the Sewanee and Williams part. That's an error on my part. And I apologize. Is it something about division three then that uh, you talk about the family, you, you talk about being close to home. Is there something about the division three versus the division one that thus is just more appealing? And, And I realized, you know, next year you could be gone for another school in a a different division. I'm not, I'm not trying to be too grandiose, but it does feel like, you know, after this experience, you found something about division three you like. Well, you know, I'm big on fit, um, regardless of level personally. Uh, I think there's pros and cons at, at every level, but one thing that I love about division three is I think it's just an extremely pure form of the game. It's just a bunch of guys who really want to be here and, um, we're not perfect by any stretch, but for for the most part are about all of the right things and student athlete. Um, you know, I feel like division one right now with the transfer portal and NIL is becoming as transactional as it's ever been. Um, and I love the uh, um, relational aspect of division three. Now, fair point. Uh, I'm with you there. Uh, obviously we're very biased though. So we'll, we'll take that with a, a you take what I say with a, a grain of sand. Uh, let's pivot to your team. Um, this is a, a group that, um, it's interesting. It feels like a hodgepodge. You've got a lot of youth, but you've got quite a bit of experience. And I think it was that experience that a lot of us latched onto, at least at the start of the season, whether we voted you in the preseason top 25 or didn't, um, at least considered you all, Again, with all that success coming in and, and a really good rooted group of experience. But from your perspective, what's this roster been like this season? Um, you know, our roster is made up of six returners from last year's team and nine new players, um, three transfers and, and six freshmen. So, you know, I think, you know, it is a, it is unique. We have, Um, we have zero sophomores on our team, Um, you know, so it's kind of a unique blend um, of returners and and a lot of youth, like you said. Um, And I think when you have that blend and nine new players, it's going to take a little bit, right. To, to figure out, you know, who we are and and how we want to play and how we all fit together. Um, You know, unfortunately, even with the, or with the tough schedule, we had a lot of really close losses early, um, and, and there were some growing pains for sure, um, combined with some injury and illness, like I mentioned, but, um, you know, I, I knew from the beginning, this is a team that had the potential, it wouldn't just happen, but had the potential to get a lot better as the season progresses, because there was so much of a, you know, feeling each other out process, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. It is interesting. There's no sophomores. There is that gap between the experience and the inexperience. Uh, jumping back to last year, what also jumps out to me is a couple of the players that I think that we all kind of hooked on to, the Chase uh, Ellis's and the Blake Campbell's, are the ones that haven't had the seasons maybe we were expecting. Now, Chase Ellis, still seven, 
17 and a half points a game, but he's only played in eight games. Blake Campbell's only played in 14 of your 20 games, so he's averaging 20.4. We see it, but you're, they've also missed a lot of games. As an outsider reading in, it goes, okay, we've we've had some injury issues that have also been mm-hmm. pretty um, impactful to how you guys have had your season play out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Blake, our very first game, uh, Chase was injured. Blake had a really big game. He had, I believe he had 37, um, 37 points, or something along those lines in a, in a game at Bellhaven, but had a wrist injury. Um you know, so he was out for a long time with that. And then Chase has been out, um, you know, with some injury illness stuff going on, um, you know, since since Christmas. So he's only played in one conference game. Those two guys are two returning leading scorers, only played in two games together this season in our, our trip down to Texas where we played Mary Harden, Baylor and Concordia, um, you know. So, so, you know, a lot of a lot of guys have had to, step up and, and play and get a lot of lot of experience that, um, you know, I think even though it may be thrown into the fire a little bit, um, I think it, it has been good for us long-term. I was going to say, you haven't played all that many in every game this season, but you have played a lot of players in significant amount of time this mm-hmm. season. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, of a catch-22. It's a little bit of a learning curve. You know, it's all of those things, but and not to look past this season, it it the baptism by fire could be really beneficial in the seasons ahead because these guys are getting the experience now that maybe you didn't expect them to get so soon, and now they're more prepared for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the hope, and it may be uh, repeat again next year because we are going to lose, lose an awful lot, um, you know, with five seniors. Um, something that depends on, of course, this is the last class with the possible COVID option. Um, but we, we will lose, uh, uh, in some ways more than we did last year to this year. Um, you know, so it could be a repeat a little bit, but absolutely. I do think this, this experience will be, will be really beneficial for us. So we talked about the losses and, and coming into the start of the year, your last game, uh, that we'll talk about on this kind of level is the Christopher Newport game on January 1st that brought to a close by the way three games in four days where you played Trine on the 29th Calvin on the 30th Christopher Newport on the first Indiana uh, Virginia we should point out you played at Christopher Newport so quite a bit of travel when you finished that run um, quick math tells me you were sitting at what four and nine three and three and nine three and nine okay easy to write you guys all off say forget it we're all done um i well we would have missed the eight game winning streak that has followed since then that's how you're now sitting at 11 and 9 that's how you're eight in one in conference play Rhodes, Hendricks, center swanee birmingham southern twice we'll talk about that in a minute Millsap twice we'll talk about that in a minute as well and those four Millsaps and birmingham southern are happening in the last two weekends you've learned a lot and it feels like you've figured it out and now starting to hit your stride. You may not be 100% with, all, or with everybody back just yet, but wow, eight-game winning streak. That's nothing to, to just kind of brush off. Yeah, I mean, you never figure it out, right? Um, but I do think, um, you know, we, we 
are starting to hit a stride, hopefully. Um, I think like I, we talked about some things that we've learned in terms of defensive philosophy and, you know, offensively, as much as I like to slow it down and manipulate and play call and counteract defenses, I've, I've kind of discovered this group's a little, little better, just giving them some concepts and a have a little more freedom um, within our structure. Um, so I've definitely learned um, as a coach, I think they've learned um, with each other and, and then, um, you know, we, we've just to be honest, we've we've defended better and we've shot the ball better. I think we're shooting it, um, you know, like forty one percent from three in conference play, which which certainly doesn't hurt. Oh uh, no, that's that's tremendous. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a great number uh, overall. We should point out, by the way, you're shooting. Uh, let's see, forty nine percent from the floor, thirty six percent from deep. But as you said, in conference play, it's better than that. And 74% from the free throw line, outscoring your opponents by more than seven points and out-rebounding them as well. I'm, I'm going to quickly dive into the NCAA numbers while we well, continue our conversation here. But eight-game winning streak, the toughest part was what you just went through. You had the Birmingham Millsaps double header, kind of like the UAA, play one on one weekend, one on the other weekend, uh, on back-to-back -back weekends. That's not enjoyable. But it's got to be really key to you that you got through that four and oh because that's the easiest spot to have a lapse and pick up a loss or two yeah i mean those are two really good teams um hard places to play um two teams with a lot of size and a lot of physicality and um you know for us to to be able to pull those out is certainly meaningful um as we're in the midst of a conference race here um going back to our previous point about scoring and efficiency we've certainly needed it we were giving up 81 points a game in the non-conference so um you know improving defensively has been a been a huge point of emphasis for us and and hopefully we can continue to to guard a little better uh your uh field goal percentage for the ncaa is almost the top 25 percent in the division so obviously that is a, a huge benefit all right so moving forward You've got Rhodes and Hendricks on the road, and then you finish everything at home, which will obviously be helpful. Rhodes and Hendricks, a tough trip, certainly, then center Swanee Oglethorpe to wrap things up. I know it's game by game. I know you're on an eight-game winning streak, and for your intensive purposes and, and the team's understanding, it's a one-game winning streak. But what is the message to the team? How are you preparing for the last road series to hopefully lock up as well, by the way, this conference coming, you know, through you guys, essentially, as a top seed? Uh, it's it's staying consistent all year. Um, win or lose, we have the same approach to evaluating each game and, um, you know, what we what we did well and what we can do better. Um, you know, Rhodes specifically, I mean, you know, we, we won at home by six. That was a back-and-forth battle. Um, we were tied with Hendricks at halftime. They have some really talented players who can get going from three and, on down the line with, with the rest of the teams in our league. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's, that's the message is, is growth mentality and, and, um, we're going to play how we practice. So we, we try to try to practice. Um, it's, it's fine balance because we want to be fresh, but, um, we're trying to make practices as, as competitive and as game-like as possible. And try and stay at home because if you can stay number one, you'll get to host the SAA tournament and not have to worry about a, a grueling road trip and hopefully get it done to get to the NCAAs. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, we would 
uh, are fortunate to have a nice facility and would, would love to would love to stay here as, as many times as we can and have as many games here as we can. Um, you know, and that's a, a unique format to our conference tournament. It's over two weekends, top four seeds host the first weekend, and then the highest remaining seed hosts the semifinals and the finals the next weekend. So, um, you know, that's uh, certainly the goal is to have, have some home postseason games. Uh, I am more and more starting to like that formatting. Um, when it comes to conversations about travel um, and the grind of a tournament, if you want to have a larger tournament, all right, take the previous weekend and just consolidate your schedule a smidge uh, to compensate. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, could come through you guys. We talked to the Whitworth coach prior to you. I'm kind of curious, is it almost compared to last year where you were not in a regional ranking situation and maybe frustrated by it? Um, thinking you could maybe have an at-large as a backup, it not happening. Is it almost a relief maybe, or is it at least less of a burden that all you have to focus on here is the conference? That, that's it. Yes, it's been a horrible season in terms of you didn't get the wins you maybe have wanted and, and you're you know just above 511 and 9, but it almost to some degree makes things a little bit simpler. Yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if relief is the right term. Um, yeah, I probably used know, the wrong word there. But no, no, that's okay. Um, you know, there was certainly some confusion amongst players and fans last year. I mean, we were ended up two and one against regionally ranked opponents and, um, you know, had big wins on the road against, against teams who received pool C's and, and um, didn't have any bad losses, undefeated in the regular season in the league and all that. Um, you know, I, I would say I think this year, um, you know, the, the, cliche term that adversity makes you stronger. I think there's some truth to that. Um, I think that, um, you know, when you go through all of those challenging and trying times, um, I think that does give you a little bit of an edge and a little bit of a chip on your shoulder that maybe we didn't have. Um, and, and last year, if anyone, myself included, was uh, frustrated or worried about um you know, regional rankings and that thing, that's all out of your control anyway. Um, so I think this year it's just hopefully we're um, a little more concerned about the right things that we can control. And, and um, you know, hopefully that'll be a good formula. I appreciate the insight. Sorry, I didn't hit the mute button on my mic. Appreciate the uh, insight and the perspective on, on this, Mick, and, and getting a, your understanding uh, for us of Barry as a program. Uh, again, I know it may not have started off um, as tremendously as maybe everybody expected, including some of us maybe from the outside looking in. Um, but I, as I said to you in the off-air off part, you guys intrigued me uh, all season as I was watching and when you got to the top of the conference at eight and one, I I thought to myself that this is a conversation that's got to be had. Um, this this team is rolling right now, and I and I want to more, learn more about the Vikings. So I appreciate the understanding and and the insight, and I wish you all the luck moving forward. Uh, as a tradition on this show, we always give the guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh I would just say any anyone local would love to have you to a game. Um, continuing to try to grow our our fan base and and those who support us, and just thank you so much, Dave, for having us and, and thinking of us. And um, you know, we appreciate all that you do for the game. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time. It makes our job easier. Good luck the rest of the campaign. Look forward to maybe seeing you come March and seeing your names pop up 
on the bracket. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of the season. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much. Take care. Mick Hedgepeth joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Sorry for the delay there. I got distracted responding to somebody on the social medias. Uh, great conversation with uh, Mick about his Perry, uh, Barry squad. Listen, you you got to wonder how much there's a few things in play in the SAA. Um, I number last year, Barry, really good resume, 25-3, and three, missed out on the NCAA tournament because their strength of schedule wasn't so great. If we hadn't as many upsets, would they have been in the conversation? I don't know. There is speculation that because they had a below 500 SOS that they wouldn't have even gotten a sniff of being in the NCAA tournament, let alone regionally ranked. That gets me back to a whole other problem I have with how we evaluate strength of schedule on the men's side, and certainly one we can discuss further. Um, at some point, it's got to be a bell curve. At some point, a, a low enough SOS just has to be dismissed. Not fully. I just You can't keep going down that rabbit hole. Just as I don't think you can go that on an SOS, it gets higher and higher. At some point, win-losses have to, to have a stronger conversation. They had like two or three wins against regionally ranked opponents last year and one loss. It's not like their SOS was poor because they didn't play anybody out of conference. Um. I don't know what the the answer is there, and we'll certainly discuss it plenty in the in the weeks ahead on all that on all those dynamics. But they went out there and they've scheduled pretty tough, and yeah, they're they're suffering for it because they don't have the wins and losses this year that maybe they hoped they'd have. But injuries have played a critical role there, and that's what a lot of teams have faced. Um, when the conference and they're in, and you heard Mick kind of say, "Listen, we only have to focus on one thing here. It's the schedule." It's a conference, it's the the AQ, and maybe that'll be better for him. But a great conversation with him and all of our guests today. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show, talk about those new top 25s are out, and talk about some other things as well. You'll listen to Hoopsville. We wrap things up from the Hoopsville studios after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I did receive a non-athletic. Welcome back to Hoops everybody. As we wrap up today's show, thanks for tuning in. Great conversations with Kane, St. Joseph, Whitworth, and Barry basketball programs. Um, new top 25s are out. Didn't really dive into that at the beginning of the show since we were a little bit tight on time. But on the men's side, interesting twist here. So Hamden City had 24 first-place votes last week, and Trinity Connecticut, who was in fifth at the time, had one. Hamden City now has 23. Trine has picked up a first-place vote, and Trinity, Connecticut holds on to theirs. Hamden City stays in first place. They went from 623 total votes to 624. (laughs) What does that all mean to you folks? That basically means somebody took them out of their top 25 while a couple other voters moved them up who weren't voting them number one. Actually, that means one voter moved them up. So they had 24 first-place votes. And they, they gained a point, which means the voter who knocked them down probably put them in second. And whoever was not voting them number one moved them up. Um, I, I don't have the breakdown now. That's just a fascinating thing on my part. Uh, Case Western Reserve fell from second to 11. Calvin fell from 14th to 12th. Both went 0-2 this week. Um, Case Western Reserve losing to Chicago and Wash U. Guess what? They face them next weekend. So there will be some very short memories coming up in UAA. Calvin lost to, who was it? Hope and Trine, was it not? I had my voting information in front of me, and now I can't find it. Uh, Apologies. And I don't think I've got, no, I do have it. Hang on. Calvin, yeah, they lost to Trine and Hope. They lost to Trine by three on uh, last Thursday and then lost on Saturday, no, last Wednesday, then lost on Saturday at Hope. And it wasn't close. It was 59-42, which was really staggering. So those two lost, went to 11th to 12th. Trine moved from 7th to 3rd. They moved ahead of Trinity, Connecticut, Oswego uh, into that spot. And the win over Calvin certainly intrigued somebody, not me. 
Uh, Oswego's now fifth. Guilford moved from eight to six. Keene moved from nine to seven. Randolph-Macon now in the top ten after being at top ten last week. Trinity, Texas is up into the top ten from 12th. NYU is now number 10 from 13th. We mentioned 11 and 12 are Case Western and Calvin. Cal Lou has moved up a spot to 13. Platteville fell three spots to 14. Um, Platteville had a, a mixed week. Remember, they lost to Stevens Point when we talked to them on Thursday. They had lost on Wednesday night. Catholic has moved into 15th. Mount Union moved up to 16th from 18th. Wash U jumped five spots thanks to their weekend. Uh, beating Carnegie Mellon and uh, Case Western. They're now in 17th from 22. Johns Hopkins is leapfrogged from 24th to 18th. I am not quite voting for Johns Hopkins, even though they are on a tear here. They lost four of their opening six and have not lost since. But guess who they play on Wednesday? Gettysburg. I had mentioned that Gettysburg had a bonkers of a week ahead of them. They are now a game out of first place because they lost to Franklin and Marshall. FM and Hopkins are both 11 and 1. Gettysburg is 10-2, and two, and Swarthmore stays two games back of the trio um, in fourth place in the conference. Gettysburg, Hopkins, men and women. Huge ramifications on Wednesday. That is a doubleheader to tune into. It, I've been trying to start a game of games of the midweek and games of the weekend, uh, but I haven't had time to really do it. We're going to work on it maybe for the end of the season, but something for the offseason to, to, to work on and have for the future. But if I had a midweeks game, they'd be both Gettysburg and Hopkins, I think. Granted, I'll be at Gettysburg for those games myself, broadcasting them. But they are the f- number first place, Johns Hopkins, against second place, or technically third place, Gettysburg, in both men and women's basketball. So huge games at the Bream Gymnasium and in, in, uh Gettysburg this weekend. So we'll, we'll look forward to seeing that. Widener, by the way, fell from 15th to 19th. Um, picking up a loss themselves this week. They lost to York, who has suddenly caught fire. York team, I think, that we kind of expected to see all season uh, has won their last five after losing three in a row, and those five include wins over Hood and Widener. Whether that continues, I don't know. Matt Under's squad is 12-7, and 5-3 overall. They had lost three in a row at the start of the new year. Uh, But we'll see how that plays out. But Widener... Uh, and, and the reason I was delayed, I was talking on the previous segment, I was talking to a voter who was wondering why Hood wasn't getting more attention. And certainly I thought about voting for Hood. Widener and Hood have their rematch coming up here on February 3rd. That is circled, I'm sure, by many voters. Loris, by the way, in to number 20th out of 20, from the 25th spot, as the ARC, we'll talk about in a minute, continues to just destroy themselves. Tufts is back in the 20, top 25 at 21. DeSales is in the top 25 at 22. Nebraska Wesleyan fell from 19 to 23. Emory fell from 20 to 24. And Christopher Newport fell from 17 to 25, losing to Santa Cruz. Um, and they're only four votes up on Co, who fell out of the top 25. Whitewater also fell out of the top 25 after going over for 2 this week themselves. Quickly about the ARC, which I mentioned. Co is 17 and 3 overall. Coors is 15 and 2. Nebraska Wesleyan 17 and 3. Central's 14 and 6. Dubuque's 15 and 4. And all of them are within two and a half games of first place in the all within two and a half games of each other. 
Coe is nine and two in the conference. Loris is seven and two. Nebraska Wesleyan and Central are eight and three, and Dubuque is six and four. The ARC has become a race I don't think any of us expected, and it's darn good and it's darn fun. Top three races in in Division three right now in men's basketball. Off the top of my head, I'd say you in no, no particular order: UAA, ODAC, and ARC. And there's other great races going on. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, those three are have absolutely got my attention. On the women's side, top 25 came out. Really nothing to talk about. Uh, Gettysburg into the top 25 at 25, replacing Whitman, who lost once again to Willamette this, this week. Um, the top seven did not change. Emory fell from 9 to 12 after... Um, their UAA action this weekend, which included losing to NYU 74-41. That's an example where I think the voters know that they're going to lose because NYU is the first place team, but maybe it was the the destruction by 33 that caused voters to lose a little bit of faith. Hopkins moves up to number 9. Bowden goes from 12 to 10. Warburg 13 to 11. Uh, Scranton goes from 15 to 13. I saw Scranton uh, play my alma mater on Saturday. Sorry, can't take anything from the Saturday game and extrapolate out how good uh, Scranton is or is not. Scranton is deep. That is for sure. They've got a lot of talent on them. Uh, Are they a top 10 team? I can't make that evaluation based on the game I saw. Um, Illinois Wesleyan uh, fell from 11 to 14. Milliken um, moved up one. Harden-Simmons moved up three. DeSales moved up three. Mary Harden-Baylor fell four because Mary Harden-Baylor uh, unfortunately, um, lost a game. I think many are well. They've they've lost a player due to injury, uh, but they lost to East Texas Baptist. Barely got past Laterno. Uh, their top scorer is out with an injury right now. I'm, I I don't. I think I've heard it's not too bad. I, I did did Riley Zayas tweet something earlier today? I think about the injury. Um, and I think they're just taking it easy. Either that, or we were talking about it behind the scenes, and they're just taking it easy with the injury. But Mary Harden Baylor. Um, uh, did lose. Loris um, up two spots. Carroll up four with a tie with... No, that can't be right. Smith is 21. It says 20 on our system, but that's a mistake. Uh, Smith is 20, falling three spots. Remember that Mac is now a five-team race, all tied at four and one. WNL is up a spot. Oshkosh fell five spots. Uh, Bates um, moved up a spot in Gettysburg, as we mentioned. By the way, on the men's side, 25 teams are receiving votes who are not in the top 25. There are 50 teams receiving uh, votes in the top 25 on the men's side. Uh, There are a couple that I'm a little surprised are getting votes. I'm a little surprised St. Vincent is, honestly. Uh, I had been voting for Clark. I couldn't after um, this week. Um, But there's a lot to consider. There's a lot of good teams out there on the men's side for sure. And there's great teams on the women. So top 25 out, certainly some good good, uh, results there. Keep an eye on all that because... It'll be worth watching the rest of the season because it's going to be some great basketball the rest of the season. So a couple of news and notes, uh, a couple of things to keep on your radar. First, I know we don't talk about this often, but the bid cycle is up now for, um, let's see, we're in our penultimate year of championships in terms of their locations. So this year and then next year will be the final year. Is that correct? Or are we in the third to last? Next year is the penultimate. Yeah, next year's the penultimate. I, I'm sorry, I'm jumping the gun. So third to last year, this, uh, you know, year two of the current four-year cycle, bids then are, are put together. They are released in the penultimate year so that basically everybody who wins a bid gets um, basically one, maybe two, kind of two championships to see if they're a new bidder. 
uh, or a new winner to get ready for championships uh, before they are hosting them themselves. As a result, February 7th is the deadline for anybody who wants to bid on any Division Three championship hosting opportunities in any of the sports that do that, uh, pretty much all of them. Um, there are some joint championships, uh, obviously, that make an exception to that. Um, but February 7th is that deadline. And then we will not know until October 2nd of this year who those um, uh, winners are. I do know that there are bidders in both sports, uh, men's and women's basketball, I, uh, that are out there who are looking to put bids in. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that all turns out because it, I always find this process a little bit on the interesting side. And I think it's an, uh, on, the, on the side that's really most interesting is, remember, Salem lost football and men's basketball, and they were pretty ticked off about it, to be honest, the way it was done and the way it was handled, and I don't blame them. Um, I was told at that point that they were done hosting those two sports. Football has had a change of heart because I think football realized they were forced into a decision that maybe wasn't right for the sport is how I would put it. And yes, I do mean they were forced into that decision. Salem has been asked to bid again after hosting the 50th championship this past year or this past December. Um, and so we know Salem will be in the mix for the Stag Bowl once again, which very likely could be in early January now as well, or very late December. Um, I don't think Salem's getting back in the mix in men's basketball. I'm, I'm saying that to having talked to absolutely no one about the topic. Um, but I get the sense that Fort Wayne is not the only one out there who's going to put in a serious bid. Fort Wayne is a complex. The the Coliseum, I think, does a tremendous job with the event. The Coliseum feels a little large for the event, um, but that's neither here nor there in the grand scheme of things. It's not too big. It's just large. But I do get the sense there's some other bidders out there who are interested in going after men's basketball. There's other bidders for women's basketball. Salem will be hosting. Let's see, it's Columbus this year, and then it's two years in Salem, I believe. Um... I thought it it was decent in Pittsburgh. Not sure if that group is interested in doing it again. So we'll see how that all plays out. Again, deadline for that is February 7th. So it's coming up soon to get bids in. And, and then we'll start to maybe get some hints on who may have put in bids and, and the like. Um, and then this, this, these championship committees now for their respective sports will make decisions that will be decided. I, I'm not sure if they make the ultimate decision before October 2nd or the new committees, the new people that come on will have a say as well. But... Nonetheless, October 2nd. Um, we also have, obviously, regional rankings right around the corner, which is why the half marathon's coming up on Friday. Um, here's, here's the simple part of this. The first regional rankings will come out for both genders on February 6th. That is a Tuesday. Um, remember last year, men moved to Tuesday, women stayed on Wednesday. That has all been changed. It's both going to be Tuesday. Then the second regional rankings will come out the 13th. And on the 15th of February, we will have the top 16s show, which will feature the um, who, if the brackets were to be decided right then, likely would be hosting um, games the opening weekend and in, in position to open the or uh, host the sectional weekend. The third regional rankings will be Tuesday the 20th. And selection and that all process, the season officially ends on the 25th and brackets will be announced the 26th with the tournament starting March 1 and 2. 
So there you go. Um, we, w- I know a lot of people have asked about um, donating to our work. We are looking for advertisers and sponsors. Big shows coming up that you can sponsor individual shows or the rest of the season. Please contact me. If you'd like to donate, we'll get more information ahead of the half marathon coming up on Friday. Uh, but you can also contact me as well. That includes if you want to send jerseys and stuff. If, seriously, we get questions about this, so I say it now. So if you want to get a jersey on the on the on the wall, or if you want to send some memorabilia or some knickknacks or whatever, we have lots of things to decorate. Um, feel free to send those along too. And I think that's it. I, I know there's been some other things going on in Division Three. This is about the point where I certainly start focusing on those raw numbers. Uh, a little bit more and such and i'm sure there's other things that are coming up there's just so much to talk about we don't have time that's why the marathon show coming up on friday is so helpful because it kind of gives us a good reset gives us a chance to talk to teams we haven't had a chance to really talk to but more importantly gives us a chance to talk about some topics we haven't had a chance to remember you can always listen to the show uh on our podcast you can always go back and watch shows on demand we encourage you to do that go check out segments maybe you missed go re-listen to some segments i thought the conversation we had with jim haney about men's officiating in division three was very insightful very interesting um i learned certainly a lot from our conversation with jim we'll have down nani Sauters on at some point i hope to talk about women's basketball officiating as well don't forget also coming up we'll have the state of division three i don't think we'll have it on friday's show i got to coordinate with louise mccleary at the ncaa for that she's the vice president for division three but we're also in the works on something else and that might just be a one-off show that we'll put together other scheduling notes other than this thursday a reminder that really much so this thursday is being moved to friday for the marathon the following thursdays except for the 15th will all be at 1 p.m due to schedule conflicts on my part the top 16 show on that um on that thursday the 15th will be at seven o'clock and that will be live we are at seven o'clock every single monday except on the 20 uh what day is it oh sorry my calendar just moved on me the sorry the 19th of february we are likely going to be pushing that show to an afternoon show on the 20th we'll get back to you on that that is the start of conference championships week for most schools um and most conferences we're just out of town that weekend for work and so it is hard to get back in time from the west coast to get a show on the air at seven o'clock on that monday last year we did a red eye to make that work and i'll be honest with you not the greatest idea so if we if we do push it it'll be pushed to tuesday afternoon the 20th but we'll be updating you down the road on that and with that i think it's time to sign off this lovely show uh absolutely awesome conversations with our guests today and i really really appreciate their time uh from kane of course mandy king terrific conversation with her wendy davis from st joe's uh just a thrill by the way she she got back into coaching while taking a phone call on the roof putting a new roof on a house like what Wendy Davis's story is also uh, Damian Jemlonski. Great conversation about the Pirates of Whitworth and Mick Hedgepath. I thought was a tremendous insight on the Vikings of Barry. Really liked their conversation. By the way, really appreciate all the sports information staffs who helped us out as well, putting those segments together. With that, we sign off. We'll see you Friday. Aim for eleven o'clock Eastern time. Could start a little bit earlier if we get enough guests and we have to find some space. But we'll be sending out more information on our social media channels, Instagram, threads, Twitter slash X, 
at D3 Hoopsville. Facebook, just Hoopsville. We'll simulcast best we can if Facebook allows us, but certainly on our YouTube channel. But we're also always broadcasting on our Team One Sports app on Android TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Roku, or you can log on and just watch it on your phone as well. And with that, I bid you adieu. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It is great time. Final month of the season. A month from now, we'll be talking about who's in and out of the NCAA tournament and what matchups we've got ahead of us in our NCAA brackets. It is a fun time of year. lot to talk about, a lot to go through. Can't wait to see how it plays out. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the Hoopsville Studios. You enjoy the rest of the week. Go get a game in somewhere, and we'll look forward to catching up with you on Friday.